saying things so you can hear them. I mean, I want you to hear the things I'm saying. It's just scary and hard when we're doing it online and we don't know if the thing's working. And if I hit the record button. Are the things working? We feel, I feel we're kind of far from each other, but I feel like our friendship is stronger than ever. You know? Like. Indeed, sir. When you come back after a period of time, and there was a longer one, and obviously we already did a WDMR, but when you have that longer pause, you're just kind of like you feel stronger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could probably. Are we at a place now where we can see each other naked, and it probably wouldn't matter? Like, are we at a place now where it'd be like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if it was, like, if we went to a Russian bathhouse and we had yeah. to partake because this is in the time travel movie script I wrote, and we have to be in the Russian time time travel house because the uh, mob crime boss is in that Russian Russian bathhouse, which is in Chinatown, by the way, which is you know. You'll have to read the script later, but right. we'd be fine. We'd be fine. Yeah, we would be fine. Absolutely. It wouldn't be I think it would all. be fun if we were, like, avoiding actual Russian mobsters, but we were extras on the set of Rounders. Oh. Have you ever saw that movie? No, not really. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh. Okay. You have to keep talking when I'm drinking. Movie. An old Matt Damon movie where he's, like, a poker grinder, basically. He's just is so good at the game that he can make a living at it just grinding out game after game after game after game okay it wouldn't be weird for us to be naked in a russian bathhouse if matt damon was poking and grinding us well matt damon and john Turturro are actually discussing business in the russian bathhouse but we would be extras in the background avoiding the actual russian mobsters who are also extras in that same bathhouse it's in it's getting ridden it's perfect. Well, welcome, everyone, to Excitement Incorporated. I'm Daniel. I'm Rich. This is the podcast where we talk about all the things that get us excited um, in the nerd world because, well, we tried to do it in our uh, variety podcast, and the people that really liked hearing about how much I hate turkeys and how much Rich loves the trolley theory just didn't want to hear about Star yeah. Wars next or Marvel's. Infinity War Avengers movie. So this is where we do that stuff. It's all about the movies, the TV, the video games. And sometimes we dive into other mediums of media, such as audiobooks and toys, merchandise. And if you want your brain broken, we are actually living in a real-life trolley problem right now. Thank you, COVID-19. Thank you, COVID-19. But we'll get back to that on a different episode. The realest trolley problem. The realist hey. trolley problem there the can be. The realist. Basically. For reals, my. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But oh, we're here now, and we have a lot to catch up on. We had a hiatus, and we we uh, went over that in When Daniel Met Rich, uh, the variety podcast I had mentioned, uh, which you can find on all of the streaming platforms, things, etc. that includes uh, uh, Twitch – or not Twitch. It includes uh, Stitcher. It includes Google Play. It involves iTunes. iTunes. It's all the things. It's I haven't done this in a minute. All I forgot. I forgot where we are. I forgot, <laughs> we are <laughs> time <everywhere>. and space. <laughs> excellent SEO. Well, we used to have excellent SEO. Yeah, basically. I'm sure we still do. Well, I I searched for us the other day because somebody was asking me about our show, and there was like nothing to be found. Typically, once I started typing it in, burst entry. But so we got to build it up again. 
Yeah, I don't know if something got scrubbed or what happened. Nothing, uh, nothing got scrubbed. We just stopped being relevant. But that's all about to change with this okay. comeback episode of Excitement Incorporated. I couldn't Incorporated. find us at all on YouTube. Mm, interesting. Okay, well, I'm sure it's all going to come back. The channel was gone. It was just vanished. So I didn't – but I knew that you were pulling stuff down to scrub it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, put it mm-hmm. back. I didn't see any of it come back. Yeah, it it I I did a I did a a quality a QA run of our episodes in the in the event something that probably shouldn't have been said off mic was said off mic uh or into mic and accidentally distributed. But we're here now. Yes. We're doing it. Rich, why don't you begin by telling me what television you've watched since the last episode? Oh my god. So much television has been watched. But oh, I'm yeah. going to I'm going to narrow it down quite a bit. Thank you. Um, I recently got into uh, Trailer Park Boys, Ooh. a Canadian TV show that is streaming on Netflix. So I've... I decided to start watching it because one of my other shows that I absolutely loved, Letterkenny, yep. said that they love Trailer Park Boys and they were heavily influenced by Trailer Park Boys. Oh, well, you gotta you gotta watch it then. It wasn't as great as it was made out to me mm-hmm. based on the recommendation. I was like, I don't know that I really need to finish this. So I kind of stopped. I got through 11 seasons of this show. Yeah. It was just kind of like, mm, eh, okay. I mm. get it. I mean, as a whole, it's funny, but there was very individual things that worked and some stuff just fell, fell flat. flat to me. Yeah. So... I was like, okay, I've watched Trailer Park Boys. That's done. Is it the guy with the glasses that's yes. funny and he's the only funny thing in the whole show? Uh, no, there's there's quite a few funny things that happen, but it's the same joke over and over and over. I hear that. Okay. And so it doesn't and it doesn't differentiate itself enough to really make it a worthwhile go back and watch again show. Mhm. Like, The Office is one you can go back and watch again and again and again. Yeah. Trailer Park Boys is not. It's a one and done. It's a one and done. Fair enough. Yeah. Now, one that is the opposite of that that I have watched, binged the heck out of, is Schitt's Creek. Also on Netflix. Also a Canadian show. Yes. That show is amazing. Is it? I have looped it like four times now. It is great. Okay. It, it's about a very, very well-to-do family that gets bankrupted by a bad business manager. Right. And so they end up having one asset that hasn't been seized by the Department of Revenue. And it's this little town that the dad bought for the son as a joke because of the name. The name of the town is Schitt's Creek. Right. So the dad bought it. Mm-hmm. as a joke mm-hmm. and they were like you didn't just like print off a fake deed or anything and he was like how is that funny buying the sh- buying the town is the joke and he's like defending buying this town yeah and it's their only saving grace because it's the only thing the government decided was worthless enough to not take <laughs> but the this place is like a haven mm-hmm. for all the misfits and everything because it's just the na- the town slogan is where everyone fits in. 
Yeah. And so there are pansexuals, there are homosexuals, there are straight people, there's just the whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. And it's never an issue. It's never brought up as an issue. It's hmm. just this is the way things are, and we're fine with that. Nice. And so it's very, it's very futuristic in that way. Well, it's very progressive yet wholesome. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yes. You feel good watching it. Like this is how things should be. Yeah. I Where get people that. are based off or judged based off their individual merits, not their carpet stereotype mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense yeah so there's actually like some really classic lines in this hilarious people are in it eugene levy is in it um the dad from american pie right and uh his son dan levy is the showrunner writer and plays his son on schitt's creek so he's like the star and everything in he just does a masterful job all around. The show's very well written. It's very well shot. Like I am I am repeatedly impressed with how they use the cinematography to help tell the story. Yeah. Like it's just a very well done show all around. Like Legion well shot or like Modern Family well shot or not so much uh, artsy fartsy as much as it is just very competent. It's extremely sophisticated. And it's, it's extremely competent and it complements the show perfectly. Okay. It's not beginning of Midsommar. Crazy. Right. Okay. Right. It's not like these crazy helicopter shots or anything. It's just, it's very well framed for when the drama is happening. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, you're not. You're not getting an overview. It's you're getting this viewpoint where it is when somebody is get, delivering something very heartfelt, the mm -hmm. camera is angled just perfectly so that you can really feel what the person is saying. And that's not very common in a lot of drama shows there. I mean, they attempt, but it's not as well done as it mm -hmm. is in Schitt's Creek, I would say. OK, I'm down. So I might that watch that. Excellent. I might have to watch it's, that. It's an excellent yet, show. How long does it take it's, to get started um, in terms of like how office season one is not even worth sometimes if you're going back? By episode two, you are fully on board. Okay. So the first, the pilot is the pilot's great. The end of the second episode, you're still just like, okay, this is only getting better. And as, as the seasons go on, it just keeps scaling up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there. And there's one, there's one character in there that is pansexual and he ends up sleeping with a girl and the girl assumed he was gay. So he was safe, I guess. And then they end up sleeping together and she's like, okay, I don't know. And so they're at a later point, they're shopping for wine. And she was like, I prefer red wine, and I thought you also preferred red wine. But then I find out that you're also into white wine, and I don't know what to do with that. And he kind of catches on to what she's saying, and he goes like, well, let me put it this way. I'm into wine, not the label. Yeah. And when you hear that, and that line, or that quote actually has carried into like several pride parades 
Really? Like they're wearing these shirts that say, I like the wine, not the label. That's, wow, I didn't realize that's and what, jeez. It's, it's like this very, it's a throwaway line in the show, but it's so poignant yeah. <laughs> to the life in general that is just like, wow, okay, this is. So it's this not only very... like an awesome com- comedy, but it made an impact like, you know. Oh, yeah. Office, Parks and Rec, etc. Yeah. Okay. And there, it's everything, every detail of this show is so well thought out and so well done that it's just, it's worth the watch. Check it out. I'm going to. Um, and then this past weekend, a new show dropped on Hulu called Solar Opposites. Um. By It's a cartoon by one of the creators of Rick and Morty, mm-hmm. Justin Roiland. Mm-hmm. Tulu exclusive, and I was like, all right, I'll check it out. Mainly because I'm just so starved for more Rick and Morty. And I don't know when the back five of season four are coming. Right. So I watched the entirety of this show, and it is hilarious. It's not as thought-provoking as Rick and Morty. Sure. But it's, it's still very good and still very funny, so I enjoyed it. Um... And maybe that's what they wanted, you know, as something that's not so not as complex. Because you would think that more time would have to be put into a show like Rick and Morty if the writing needs to be on point. So, so right. if Solar Opposites is more of a dumb you can watch and go kind of thing, like Family Guy. Well, yeah, I would say that Solar Opposites has more of a storyline okay. than Rick and Morty does. Because Rick and Morty will have your very base plot line. Mm-hmm. And everything just kind of plays off that, but it's not a structured story. Yeah. Solar Opposites is more of a structured story. Oh. And then the wackiness feeds that story. Okay, I see. But it's it's still very funny. The uh, The concept of the show is that a planet is struck by an asteroid, and so they put two adults... With two of their replicants, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like a younger clone of themselves, and then they are put onto a ship with a pupa, which is a very small slug-like thing. Oh. And they're each adult or each pair of adults is put onto a ship. There's like a hundred ships launched from this planet, and they're supposed to go and find a planet to live on. Mm-hmm. And this particular ship landed on Earth, which was already overpopulated and everything. <laughs> So now they're trying to figure out how to repair their ship or get somewhere else or raise the pupa to where it will grow into a massive tree and terraform the planet to make it into a new home world for them. That's what the point of the pupa is on all these ships. Wow. Is that they feed it, they take care of it until it gets to the point where it terraforms the planet. Damn. And so they're doing... They're doing this on Earth, and one of the the two replicants are the two... They're smaller. They're like child versions of their adult forms. Sure. So it's basically two adults, two kids, and a baby. It's your nuclear family. But it's not It's not <laughs> typical in that way that they can... Right. Because but they're aliens. Yeah. I, yeah. That sounds awesome. That's I would, pretty funny. I would hope it would be that. That's always what's so good about what Justin Roiland does is that he, he the stuff he takes is in no way stereotypical. 
Yeah. Um, because despite the fact that he that he gives those, you know, he's still got the family drama comedy setup. The yeah. the fact that the children are just replicas, like literally crotch goblins, literally carbon copies. That is hilarious. Yes, it's, it's very funny. And the baby's uh, eventually gonna completely change the whole planet. I like it. And then the one replicant kid has a shrink ray and he shrinks any human that pisses him off and then drops him into like this wall terrarium in his bedroom. And he eventually does this with enough humans that as the show progresses, it starts splitting off to this tiny society in the wall. Are you serious? (laughs) It sounds good. It's it's great. That storyline there is really funny because the other replicant has chosen to be a female yeah. by putting a bow on its head. <laughs> and they're 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 completely androgynous. You don't know if these aliens are actually male or female. Okay. And so the one the one aliens replicant decided to be female just by putting a bow on her head. It's hilarious. And then everybody's like, I had no idea if you were a boy or a girl. And she's like, there's a bow on my head. Uh. But but she keeps feeding the humans by dumping in old Halloween candy into the terrarium. <laughs> and so these these tiny humans in the wall are, like, developing diabetes and everything because all they can eat is Halloween candy. That's terrible <laughs> it's, and it's hilarious. So, it's so messed up. It's really funny, though. Okay. Yeah, I highly recommend checking that one out. Let's see, there's three of the shows. I'm just doing my fi- top five shows, pretty much. How nice of you. Or the, f- the five that come to mind, because it's been a long hiatus, and I've watched so much. Right. Well, I mean, you can you can just quickly say if you've watched those things, or let me, if yeah. I've watched them, open right. it up. But So, uh, another show that I highly recommend is also on Netflix called Happy. What is that? Now, that is a gritty crime show where a cop becomes a mercenary basically he's a gun for hire okay and then all of a sudden he starts seeing a flying blue unicorn named happy who is trying to get him to rescue his illegitimate daughter interesting turns out that this unicorn is the daughter's imaginary friend yeah and so he, the daughter gets kidnapped and Happy leaves her to go find the one guy that can save her, mm-hmm. her dad. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even know that he has a kid. Yes. So all of a sudden he he's like, he's an alcoholic. He's He does a shit ton of drugs. He's constantly boozing it up. He's convinced himself that he cannot die. So he just does all these fucked up things. And then he starts seeing this flying blue horse and he's like, Okay, I have finally broken my brain. <laughs> very, very funny. Very good show. I would watch that. It, um, I can't remember the actor's name, but he, he's he been in a bunch of stuff. I feel uh, like I've seen previews for Happy. You probably have. Um, the actor who plays the uh, commander in Man of Steel. I am looking I right now. Uh, first thing, first thing I read was uh, canceled after two seasons. Yeah, yeah, it was on Sci-Fi. I don't that know if sucks. that was the right network for it. 
Christoph Maloney. There it is. Oh, and then Patton Wall Oswalt is the is the voice of the unicorn. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. It's it's crazy. It's hilarious. It's it's an awesome show. I'm down. I haven't watched season two yet, but I did watch the entirety of the first season, and it was it was amazing. The first episode has him in a gritty, just gross bathroom, staring in the mirror, and he goes happy. Then he puts a gun to his head. And all of a sudden, you see that it is he is now in a disco. The top of his head is gone. Blood is flying around everywhere, dancing as he dances. <laughs> so he's basically having a hallucination that he shot himself in the head. And when you see that, you're just kind of like, at that point, you understand what you're in for, and you're just kind of like, all right, I'm down. Or, yeah. you know what, I'm out. I would, I would also uh, like to watch this show. <laughs> Yes. TV is so good these days. Like, it really is. Uh, they're not. They're not making it. They're not making TV for advertisers anymore. They're making TV for the audience, which is mm-hmm. excellent. Mm-hmm. The only issue is that there's so much for every audience now. Yeah. So it's it's just like there is so many things to watch. Ah. Uh, but it's also good, so it never feels like a waste of time, mm-hmm. except for mm-hmm. maybe Trailer Park Boys. Anyway, so the last thing I wanted to mention is I started my month free trial of CBS All Access, and I launched that off with Star Trek Picard. Very nice. I am midway through the first season, and I'm loving the show. Oh, my God, it's so good. It's... Is, has it got all the nostalgia you could wish for? There's... It's the continuation of the story that I wanted to see. Because the last thing we saw of Picard from the Enterprise was Star Trek Nemesis, where Data sacrificed himself to save the rest of the crew of the Enterprise, especially Captain Picard. So Picard is dealing with survivor's guilt from Data's sacrifice. That's cool. I mean, for them to continue off of the movie, that sounds awesome. Yeah, so it's just it's just a continuation of his story and there's, of course, a 20-year gap, but they're slowly filling in that gap with all the messed up stuff that has gotten Picard to come out of retirement and get back in the game. It's very, very good. It's not... It's not that nostalgic feeling. It's that there's more to tell of this story, and I can't wait to hear what's going on. So okay, it's very very good. What'd you watch? A lot, too. But I can't. Yeah. I mean, it. Here's the deal. Okay, when you watch a lot of TV, and it's good TV, and you got to skip over some things. There's there's like a, a quick list. We have Brooklyn Nine Nine. We know Brooklyn Nine Nine is good, and oh, it's, yeah. it's continued to be good even throughout the the most previous season. Um, yeah. Sometimes they lose their muster, but uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine is rolling. It is rolling. The seventh season just ended perfectly fine. Uh, what we do in the shadows? We're halfway through season two now, and it's <laughs> perfect. It's how they can continue to do as well as they do. I, it's not like oh. beyond me. 
it's obviously wonderful, but how, I mean, it has been the light, the brightest light shining through the pandemic is oh. that they, that what we do in the shadows can be that good. Um, yeah. Started. Guillermo's story arc is just stellar. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. <laughs> he's, he's like, you should drink some water. <laughs> um, then uh, we, we've got uh, uh, the new season of American Horror Story. Well, maybe it wasn't new because it was an old one. Uh, watch one of those, Apocalypse. It was the Murder House Witch combination one. I wasn't tickled. I didn't think it was that good. I thought it was weird. Um, yeah, it was. Really, I didn't finish that because... Like three episodes in, I was like, "This is this is goofy." I'm, I want to watch something better. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I haven't watched the 1980s one though. The the camp slasher one. That one looks like it might be good, and I heard it was better. But who knows? Archer, uh, Danger Island. I have not watched 1999, but I heard in this newest season he's finally waking up for his coma. So I'm like, okay, sounds like we're gonna get some actual character progression. I will come back. Because I did like character progression in Archer as a show. <clears throat> I'm trying to like look through this list and see what the like the easy things is. Uh, Clone Wars final season. I think I want to throw that in with our uh, Star Wars episode because we are going to talk about like we're going to talk a lot about Mandalorian. We're going to talk about uh, Star Wars uh, Rise of Skywalker, but we want to do that in its own episode because we could. We yeah, could talk about there that really forever. needs to be a Star Wars catch up. Yeah, because there was a lot of Star Wars stuff mm-hmm. that happened over the hiatus. Yeah, and Clone Wars really touches on that. Um, in it in its own way uh including rebels which i watched all of and rebels is something else actually um i'm really like uh, clone wars was always good but rebels for for something that's supposed to be a spin-off kids show is phenomenal at at taking the story and moving it in in a direction that you can effectively go wow this is actually like ending some things that started in the prequel show there are a lot of aspects of rebels that takes uh, things from the the prequel movies one two and three and aspects of that and actually ties a neat little bow on it like the end and i was it blew my mind that it was that good plus it opens a large door into things that can you know uh be explored further in the mandalorian so uh, the Mandalorian is really going to touch on Rebels, I'm pretty sure. It makes me wonder how far back they were planning everything in the Mandalorian, but I need to stop Star Wars there before I uh, uh, do that yeah. <laughs> for the next half hour. Uh, I finished Sopranos. I was I was watching Sopranos. Was it worth the trek? A show, a show about a mobster with depression while I was depressed, and <laughs> despite the immersion, it, it was not really worth it i i can i can see how in its time period it was i can see how in its time period it was something new but that's the show that inspired uh uh shows like dexter and shows like sons of anarchy all these anti-hero shows that we love and adore um breaking bad obviously and it's it's weird to give these human aspects but but the hardest part is that they're not really like anti-heroes they're more like anti antis they're still Douchebags. They kind of add a human element, but the hardest part is that they're all douchebags. They're just they're yeah. just asshole mobsters the whole time, and that was probably one of the harder parts for for uh, watching the show. Um, and in terms yeah, of there was no redemption arc. 
None whatsoever. And you don't care if I spoil the 20-year-old show, right? I mean, it was this. Not at all. He's getting help from a therapist because he has panic attacks. And by the end of the show, she goes like three episodes towards the end, and they go through all kinds of shit, okay? And three yeah. episodes off from the end, she goes to a dinner party where they start talking. Uh, the, she goes to a dinner party with a bunch of other psychiatrists, and they're all sitting in a circle talking about um, how there was a study that said that um, narcissists and sociopaths, especially of the criminal variety, sharpen their teeth using psychiatrists to go in and say fuck you to the strongest person who could ever get inside of their head and if they can say fuck you and walk away which he did over and over and over he tried to fuck her yeah because that was power she she said no tried to bribe her tried to pay her under the table tried to overpay her for other things um for complications and uh he uh met and fucked one of her uh one of her other patients who had issues with men and ultimately killed herself because he wouldn't commit to her crazy ass um because he was married with kids of course um of course and just got under this business and three episodes out from the end it turns out like uh, she goes to this dinner party and then she comes back she's like i'm not gonna see you anymore i'm not we are done here you're a piece of shit you've gotten nowhere we've made no developments um it's a great eye-opener to how narcissism works and how yeah. someone who doesn't help themselves just ultimately will remain a piece of shit for the rest of their lives. But I felt like I gained nothing from it because, like you said, there was no trek. There was no journey. Right. Uh, that being – I could see why it was good in its time, and I'm not saying it's a bad show. I'm saying it was like a really, really long godfather. Yep. <laughs> a yeah. really long modern-day godfather. Um there were some cool shocking moments, but there weren't enough of them. I felt like I got a season's worth of shocking moments out of the entire show yeah. where you can yeah. get a season's worth of oh shit moments from Breaking Bad or Sons of Anarchy or Dexter. Right. <clears throat> so something that kept popping up on my feed when I finished Sopranos, and I like I like period dramas. I watched The Crown. The Crown was really good. Well well shot, it, and it, it won a, a Golden Globe or an Emory or something for like best, best show. Oh. Before times. we keep moving on, yes. I wanted to mention something about The Sopranos. Oh, now, yes. Do go, you go, remember go. around like the fifth season, I think Paulie had his mom in a uh, retirement home and another lady was like bullying her. So he went to see the son, which was a principal at a high school or something. I do remember that. You remember that principal? Yes. That's my cousin, Tony. I know. <laughs> That's the guy I was telling you about. That's why I'm like, my cousin was on The Sopranos. That's him. That's so cool. I I didn't so. I didn't make that connection when I was watching it, but just now I was like, oh yeah. When you were like, just so you know, and I was like, wait a minute, I know where he's going with this. Yes, yes. I didn't. I didn't. I, anytime somebody mentions The Sopranos, I always go, my cousin Tony is on that. So mm-hmm. I do I do remember that, and it was it was uh, uh, that arc. It in its own was just like another douchebag arc. Because Polly is probably one of the worst out of all of them. Oh yeah, yeah. And he ends up 
he asks the mom nicely to invite his mom, who is, uh, of course, narcissist. You see yeah. how these things have been out. And they're like, we don't want anything to do with her. And he says, okay. And he kills that guy's mom. He smothers her with a fucking pillow. <laughs> yeah. They're, no, this, I mean, they're all horrible people in the show. Yeah. I, I get yeah. that. But anyway, continue as you were. No, I was looking at uh, things, and I like period dramas. Things pop up. And I was like, hmm, there's this Downton Abbey show that everyone, like, people who watch it say they love it. Um, Menly men and people who haven't watched it and think it looks dorky from afar because it is aired on PBS go, eh? Um, which actually, in January, I had a guy, like, give me, give me shit for Downton Abbey going, no way. Um, because they were talking about the crown and I was like, speaking of, I watched Johnson Abbey and it was good. And then later on, same guy wanted, wanted to reference an actor. And he said, Stiltskin from once, once upon a time. And I was like, you're going to reference, you're seriously going to sit here and tell me you watched that bullshit once upon a time show on ABC, the fairy tale fucking, we can't act ABC acting, but you're going to give me shit for Downton Abbey, which was a phenomenal show and is number two underneath Breaking Bad for my all time favorite shows now. Uh, be careful there's a lady that was on once upon a time uh-huh and she, i met her at this last year's Uh-oh. pop culture con in denver Uh-oh. and she was probably the sweetest celebrity at that con that i've ever met oh, i'm sure i mean there is like, also she accident she accidentally bumped me because like i was working the line right next to her and she was coming around the table and she bumped me and she was like oh my god i'm so sorry are you okay and like touched my shoulder and everything and i was like Hi. <laughs> like, just, autograph my shoulder. Was, I'm going to cut it off and sell it. <laughs> she was disarmingly attractive. Like, I mm-hmm. didn't. I turned around and saw her, and I didn't know what to say. Or anything. I was like, I. Was it the one who played the, the evil queen or the mom? Maybe. Or the. Maybe. Like, what, what did the she evil play? evil queen, I think, maybe. Elsa? I think she played an evil queen. Yeah, Queen Regina. That could be it. I never watched Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I only once, a, once Upon a Time. What it was. was it Regina Mills? Oh no, that's her character. That's her character. Who is she played by? We gotta find out who she's played by. Uh, nope, can't find her. Oh well, we tried. Can't find. Her. Oh well, we tried. Doesn't matter. We tried really hard. Um, and by tried really hard, I mean I just didn't get very far with it. I clicked Queen right. Regina and I Googled it, but it just did not give it to me. And I really want to know who this actress is. They bumped into you, Lana Paria. There it is. It was her. That's her. It oh, was wow. her. I remember wow. the name. That's interesting. The only the only things I I tied that to was I looked up at the name on the banner, mm-hmm. and I did not remember it until you just said it. And I looked at the line that everybody in line had once upon a time crap for her to sign. That's so I was so like, okay, funny. this actress is on once upon a time. I've I've figured that out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of like, all right, now I know who this lady is somewhat cool yeah but no, she was disarmingly attractive in line and i was just kind of like i gave uh, uh hi how fun is that it was good times that, anyway that being said uh well downton abbey yes is my number two favorite show and it's weird because <laughs> this show has like no violence it has it's pure it's period drama so it's because of the fact that it's set in like the 1910s early uh 
early 1910s and it is in historical uh, pretty much back when lords and and counts and dukes really held authority over a town it was mainly because of their wealth they could do this and they would establish and um um, sponsor and invest in these towns so like for instance they basically own the hospital in downtown abbey the the crawley family because uh they built it they put all the money into it um it's not it's not a legit like it's not a super legit hospital like it has one doctor and a couple nurses but um this is it's weird there's the the main plot of everything in the weird way that it can stir up a story because you're kind of like oh is it a soap opera is that what it looks like no i'm gonna tell you what it looks like okay here's the first episode this is how we do things okay and i'll give you tidbits from here to there all right but and this is gonna make you watch it rich this is gonna make you watch it i know it is have you watched downtown abbey I'm interested in seeing it. Uh-huh. I just haven't watched it yet. I'm about to make you sold and watch it soon. Okay. It opens with a newspaper being printed. The people uh, are going like, oh, shit, what the hell? And they go beep, 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 beep. I'm doing this backwards. Um, they get news. They send it through a telegraph just because time period, right? And it gets sent forward mm-hmm. to the newsprinter. They print the news, and it gets sent to Downton Abbey. It's biked over. The um, One of the houseboys – what did I say houseboys? It's not, it's not Hogwarts. One of the vassals, still not the correct terminology. I'm sorry. One of the footmen, and that is appropriate. <laughs> it takes it. He's like, about time. It's you know, is and the boy's like, it was it was big news, and he's like, oh, oh no. And they start passing around this paper, and they're all like whispering to each other. And then the boy irons out the paper, and there's a bunch of bells on the wall because as soon as these people wake up, they ring a bell, and they have a servant come to dress them, feed them, and put on their makeup, do their hair. Um, put on their buttons for them, all these servants. And these servants yeah. are half the cast and amazing characters. Seeing their the way their lives intermingle with the rich characters is wonderful, and the way those relationships develop through the series is also awesome. So they take the newspaper up to Lord Crawley, and he shakes it loose. He's like, oh, wow. And his three daughters at the table, none of which in this time period can inherit Downton Abbey from him to continue to take care of it like his father before him, go, what's wrong? And he says, the Titanic just sunk. Oh, man. Your cousins, and he looks at the oldest Mary, your betrothed was on it. (laughs) So... The nearest relation to inherit Downton Abbey just died, and now he has to find a new suitor for his oldest daughter, who thinks it's all bullshit in the first place, as she should. Right. Yeah. Goes wonderful. That's nice. And, they go, and the, the, the middle sister like leans over. And she's like, "So, are we gonna? Are will we go in the morning?" And they're like, and, "Because I hate wearing black." <laughs> And they have to wear black for a week, okay? Yeah. And and uh, Cora, the wife who's wonderful, she's from America. He married into an American um, family who is rich. And all of that money went to the Crawley estate and actually saved Downton Abbey in that marriage um, at one point in the past. So there's a lot of money com- coming from Cora, but um, luckily 
uh, Mr. Crawley and Cora, Crawley ended up actually liking and loving each other as opposed to other arranged relationships. So they don't hate each right. other per se. Um, and she says, well, uh, I suppose, I suppose we, uh, I suppose we're going to have to in, uh, inform your mother. Cut to Dame Maggie Smith sitting in the waiting room going, oh, I know already. <laughs> I know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I sent the ice Try me. <laughs> no. She would have, but no. <laughs> um, I, I, I'll be honest with you. This sounds like a World War I era Game of Thrones. I'll tell you what. That's how the uh, first season ends with the announcement uh, that they're going to war. I figured as much. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. So it, it sounds like. Game of Thrones, just with a, with a spin of World War One, and it and it kind of is. Now, what's fun as well as when you dig into the, the dialogue is so cutting in the way that um, the middle the middle troll the the middle girl is such a middle child that she she is basically pining after every pretty man that comes her older sister's way because she thinks she's never going to get a good man because she's the middle child. She's just going to get passed up for whoever f- fuck waddle ding bot is going to come right. by, you know? And, uh, she, she says, well, you know, I would have married him and her older sister so cuttingly says, well, of course you would, but you're fishing with no bait. Oh, <laughs> like a slap to so the mean. face so fucking mean it's old dialogue and that's the thing is like they say these old things and i'm just sitting here in my living room on my couch going oh <laughs> oh shit did that just happen did that just happen and so for two months while i'm watching the show maybe three um i basically would wait for sarah to come home from work and she'd be like anything happened i'd be like no not really. <laughs> Except for Thomas got married uh, to the youngest Crawley daughter, and they ran away to Ireland, but then he took part in a political coup, and he got kicked out of Ireland, and now they're back at home. She's six months pregnant. Didn't tell them. <laughs> they're furious. <laughs> but they're starting to like Thomas, which is weird because she is the valet that he ran off with, that she ran off with. Uh so she ran off with so, a valet. Uh yeah, the youngest daughter. <laughs> so it's pretty it's 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 all highly interesting. Um now I'm gonna tell you how the second scene uh the the end of the last episode uh sets up for the rest of the show and what keeps you there is that he he reaches far uh far out and he looks through the family tree and he finds a second cousin living in London. And they, he goes, well, let's invite him because he's going to inherit the manor. And this just pisses off Mary, the, the oldest daughter. And she's like, well, great. And so they reach out to a very, very plump uh, Dan Stevens. <laughs> not very plump, okay. but he's not like legion skinny. Right. And he opens a letter and he looks over at his mom and he says – and she's like, what is it? And he said, uh, our lives just changed forever. End of the episode. But I'll tell you what happens at dinner in episode two. 
they say, how do you, how do you like it here in Downtown Avenue? He says, great. I already have a job at a law firm, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and Lord Crowley goes, what are you talking about? I thought you were, I was going to show you how to run the estate. And he's like, that's fine. I can do it on the weekend to which, <laughs> to which uh, the, um, the widow Duchess, who is, uh, uh, Maggie Smith looks around and she goes, what is a weekend? <laughs> so you're blending the working class people with yep. the ser- serve me my tea and crumpets yeah. kind of people who like uh, I'm I'm bored I think I'll take my tea in the study this morning Jeeves yeah. thank you that that rich they have nothing to do shut up Pam no the no hell. one cares shut up no one thinks you're cool she just keeps talking. Man, it's yep. a, Rich can't hear you saying to shut up, Pam. It, that's enough. Now, uh, it, wow. furthermore, it's 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 insane how how much a show enraptured me. But when you get involved in the characters and their progression and what you want for them, it becomes insanely insanely good. And, yeah. and it doesn't stop them. Uh, if if you can get into the, to the drama of the dialogue by actually listening, if you need this to be an action show, you can't watch it. If you need it to be funny um, because of silly humor, don't watch it because you need to know the characters to know why it's funny. I ended, right. um, I will tell you right now, I cried several times. I'm pretty sure I cried once to twice a season because of how characters developed. I can tell you I squeed at some of the relationships that are totally like fan shipped but then yeah. happen and you're like they did this without it being the fucking ray kylo ren kiss at the end of rise of skywalker it's not forced it's yeah. not i i didn't know how else to reference it because that's the right. best example i have of a kiss that should have never happened uh but it <laughs> it 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 forced uh it's not forced but at the same time you're like is this actually going to happen whoa it does and it works Oh, holy moly, holy moly. Anyways, lots of characters. You get very invested. Um, and then there's also the characters you hate, the Cersei Lannister characters. Um, yeah. And you'll see why. But um, the first season is all it takes to get to get hooked. And despite okay. the fact... I, what? I like that premise of following the, the nobility right before their loss, of, their near complete loss of power. Yes. Absolutely. Because the, the nobility held all the money mm-hmm. in Europe until World War One. Yeah. And then once World War One hit, it was like they were losing heirs, they were losing land, mm-hmm. they were losing money, mm-hmm. they were losing all of the people to work their lands. Uh-huh. So then all of a sudden it was like, oh, yes, we have all this old money. Oh, but the government needs it. For the war effort. Yeah. Shit. Yep. What happened to all of our bankroll? Then you will you definitely are gonna like this show because it is it is the fall of nobility included. Now they're not completely like penniless. It's not like they have jobs by the end of the show. Um or right. e- even in the movie, because even in the movie, the oh god, the movie. The oh. Queen is coming to Downton Abbey. The six That's all I know of the movie. Okay, well I'll tell you what, there's there's an assassination plot. And it is so, so good. <laughs> the Downton Abbey movie, movie had me crying in happiness at the end of it, which is weird. 
and I'm like, why am I feeling these emotions watching a show? It's actually a BBC show. It was just uh, uh, shown on PBS as a publisher yep. because of how historically – it's not – I don't want to say historically accurate because Downton Abbey is fictional. But the things right. that happen there and the characters and the, the manners and the theme and the theme music. Ooh, ooh that's one of my well, favorites. Historically, British TV has always been introduced to the American populace through PBS. Right. We were watching Doctor Who on BBC America when I was eight. We were watching it on PBS. Nice. Okay. That makes we sense. We were watching Monty Python's Flying Circus on the Comedy Central when I was nine years old. Oh. It was on PBS. Okay. These were all... PBS was our gateway to all things British. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then... Nickelodeon ended up getting in on that with some of the cartoons. They were getting British cartoons oh, on Nickelodeon very nice. when I was okay. a kid. And the main reason behind a lot of that is because the government pays for television in the UK. Yes. Like, it's not private firms. It's not like this movie studio is banking bankrolling this to pump up this movie or anything it's uh-huh. the british communication system the bbc that's why all their channels are bbc one bbc two bbc three bbc four it's because it's all paid for by the government interesting the more that's you know it, yeah it's uh, it's it's worth doing the deep dive to figure out just how media works in other countries because I would it's say fascinating I would say well whatever it takes to get Downton Abbey into the US because it is a godsend the movie is a godsend uh, somehow too and it just gives you all the feels and it's it's really nice like the theme music like when you when you start watching it you you I, I'm pretty sure you'll like it just fine and the music starts it's one of those themes just like Game of Thrones where you're watching it and you're like oh here we go here we go we're about to get some yeah. more of this and if you can feel like that watching watching a show that I think that's the indicator you know um, right that it is a good show moving right. on I did watch The Boys on Amazon finally. Um, yes. Also an amazing show, obviously, with a slap oh right to God. the face at the end. I do like The Boys. I do want to watch it again too, so I'll probably do that eventually. But there's just so many shows to watch. I still haven't finished Clone Wars, so that's what I'm trying to go through right now. The Invisible Cunt. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> that, is, that is the most clever way. They can do whatever they want with Watchmen. They can do yep. whatever they want with with uh, what are the other superhero shows that try to tr- put things on their head? I don't know. Uh, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. Thank Titans. you. Which Doom Patrol was good. Titans is still like a DC thing, but no, no c- comic, no adaption of any kind turns the idea of superheroes in our world being fucked up more accurately than the boys. Yeah, it is amazing how fucked up the boys is because it is it's it's just it's despite the fact it's a modern day watchman yeah that for those who haven't seen it yet the boys is basically what if the justice league was ran by nike sorry i was just assuming whoever's listening heard all of the all of the post or all of the episodes and heard you talk about it before but yes right continue yeah it's When you realize that a marketing company 
would decide where to send superheroes based on their exposure and their endorsements. Yes. And it's just kind of like, oh, shit. It's like, oh, you're... We just put vigilantism into the hands of Pepsi. Yes. Basically. Basically. And it's still really messed up uh, in in the ways that they might do things for, you know, uh, the the poor girl that gets that gets picked and she finally gets picked. She auditions and they're like, "Okay, you're going to be part of the seven. She's like, yeah, which is like the Justice League. Uh, uh, She shows up and and the the Aquaman equivalent, who is a piece of shit. uh, Yeah, the deep basically says you got to he basically says, yeah, you better blow me or I'm going to tell everyone that you're a bitch. And she does, and then she finds out that he's a loser. Like no one even likes him because he is the Aquaman equivalent. Um, and then they have to be careful of everyone else and the way these things work uh, are and, and kind of fall out is for the marketing manager to approach her and and be like, you know, uh, you're gonna have to dress in a skimpier outfit because that's what your audience likes, and you have a better reception in uh, Texas. So uh, we're gonna send you to Texas more often to do justice yeah. there <laughs> because people in Texas like you. That's where your ratings are high. And it's yeah. like, what am I? Am I doing justice because justice, or am I doing justice because yeah. money? Am I going media? where the threat is, or am I yes. going where people like me best? And, and then, like, well, you're doing both. And then her but manager, the second one. Yeah, and her manager flips out on her. She's she's witnessing a rape actively in the street, and she intervenes. She's out because while she's out, she intervenes, and then she kills. Uh, she beats the shit out of some rapists, and someone catches it on YouTube, and her manager rips her a new asshole for saving yep. the girl. <laughs> okay because because this wasn't a controlled situation and now they see like the extra power that i have that i'm not supposed to have because we wanted to save it for next year or some bullshit i don't remember it was a minute ago but the boys is really good yeah that show is excellent i can't especially after watching like doom patrol and titans and yeah. all the marvel stuff mm-hmm. just after watching all that and then settling into the boys it's like oh wow Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is, this is, this is the logical extreme we're dealing with here. Yeah, luckily filming concluded in November 2019, so I'm I'm honestly hoping that uh, they could. Oh, it would be pegged a year after the first season. We might get it in July, the second season of Boys. It's been filmed. Depending on how uh, the editing process is done, right? Because if everybody's still in lockdown, they can't get to where the they can't get in the editing room oh they They can edit at home they can edit at home just fine they'll do right but they can't have three people in the editing room being like all right do this cut do this cut and you know every time there's a every time there's an editing room you've got at least three people in there being like i like that angle better i think that one will play better you know you've got an ad in there Mm -hmm. with the editor and the dp yeah, but they I mean they can still do this all over Zoom and send cuts to each other with revisions. I mean, it's possible. I don't think it would get it's, delayed. It's possible, but it would be much 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 more time consuming because there's so much interaction there. Yeah, you know potentially. I mean? Time will only tell. And yeah, I mean this is based off of my limited idea on how that all works, but we'll see. We will Hopefully see. it comes sooner. I'm hoping it comes sooner rather than later, but. 
I mean, if you know, with 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 lockdown, if lockdown is still a thing in July, I'm sure they would love to put it out because people are going to be at home bored. I mean, there's no better time to be releasing a show than right now. So, right, yeah. Uh, can you hear Pam? Yeah, if nothing in else, in the background, can you hear Pam in the background playing with with her toy? Yes. Oh my god, that's all right. It's, it's fine. just so it's driving me that's nuts. Fine. She's the most quiet cat I have. Until I hit record. Ding, 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 and now she's like, yes. Battering her on her bell. It's fine. She's playing it's with a, a big toy. Deal. She's playing with a toy and it's driving me Ignore nuts. Ignore it. I don't have enough things more, to throw at her. The more you acknowledge it, the more it's an issue. If you just move past it, no one's going to notice. Well, at least when the dogs bark, they do it in the background. That's true. This is driving me nuts. This is driving me nuts. I digress. So I watched anyway. The Boys. I watched The Boys, and that happened. Uh, Rebels was awesome. Uh, one show that I'm going to quickly mention is Daybreak. Uh, it was a wonderful first se- season before it got canceled, which is infuriating because Daybreak was really good. It was about a, a group of teens that uh, got the first round of vaccinations before a nuclear uh, chemical bomb made uh, the uh, – the adults of the world turn into zombies um, and really dumb zombies. They only say the last thing that was on their mind. So sometimes uh, a zombie is walking by and the zombie says uh, uh, he'll be groaning over and over. Will they know if I block them on Facebook? <laughs> and like the other one is, is is there's a lady going, Lululemon pants are half off. <laughs> okay, that's daybreak. It is. Because I saw, I saw yeah. the... Uh, preview for that or the trailer for that and I was like that looks interesting I kind of want to check that out so how was that Daybreak's incredibly well shot initially it's just kind of like am I watching like a cooler twilight like what is the deal of this um no it is it's incredibly incredibly good um there are some adult aspects to it uh there is a, a kid who is a black samurai he was on the football team and he's he's uh he he was a jerk before. He was a jerk-ass jock before everything happened. And then he, he decided to repent by being a loner samurai. So despite the fact that there's clans everywhere, this mm-hmm. samurai decides to be uh, – uh, um, this guy decides to loan, loan it out as a samurai, but he's still got that attitude. So naturally his solo episode is narrated by uh, – uh, um, god, what is his name? Wu-Tang Clan? guy odb no no he's dead. different one Wu-Tang. Uh, i just don't know them off of my head uh well enough to say just uh what it is but um it might be gza um okay. or method man one of the two but right off the top it, like he's getting narrated by freaking uh, uh rza that's what it is rza was freaking narrating his story at the beginning and he had that attitude in the first place which was awesome so they do a lot of things that work um, it's all about a guy just trying to get to his girlfriend and he's hoping she's alive and it doesn't go so well um, and there's different clans and they're all different and it all comes together pretty interestingly it is a little teeny bopper young adult novel dorky sometimes but ultimately it pulls together in a, in a very adult fashion that makes it worth watching plus how well it's shot okay action is good too so all right it looked intriguing because it looked like a bunch of teenagers were forming clans against zombies, mm-hmm. but the clans were based off of their cliques in yes. high school. That's exactly what like it is. Like the D&D nerds all clan up and all the 
the football and baseball teams clan mm-hmm. up and mm-hmm. and they well i mean the jocks well the jocks basically own the field and they're the straight up barbarians they're the mad max right. barbarians and um they rule over and if you don't submit to them you lose so uh, right. they they show up for the weekly uh, uh submission ritual where uh, the the 4-H clan shows up and says, we've brought three of our finest litter <laughs> for you to feast on at your leisure. Um, he decides to still have American Idol. Um, that's one of the, the lead guy's way of, of uh, entertainment is by having American Idol. And if they suck, he just hits the trap door button and drops them into a vat of zombies. <clears throat> so it's actually quite hilarious in that respect. But probably nice. the funniest thing I found outside of what of what we do in the shadow is workaholics. Now, workaholics is a comedy central show and from afar it kind of looks like it might be like a little too hammy or a little too south parkish, but workaholics is like good watching, like really really funny. Uh have you watched workaholics? sporadically okay i have not watched it regularly i've watched an episode here there kind of the same way i saw it's always sunny oh fair enough like i've seen a few episodes here and there but Mm -hmm. i haven't sat down and watched it i've enjoyed it when i've seen it but i haven't made it a point to go and watch all of it fair enough uh it's it's one of those shows where they can be kind of dirty, but they're also silly. But the three guys, what makes it really good is that the the three main characters, and then the fourth guy who directs a lot of episodes is also in the troupe, but he only shows up as a random character sometimes. Uh, he's their weed dealer. They uh, uh, and they all have the same names. They barely change their name in the show for it to be different. Um, but they were in an improv troupe together, and that what that's probably what makes it so good when they're able to basically riff off of each other. Um, right. Adam Devine, who you've probably seen the most of in a bunch of stuff, is easily the funniest, but the, the other two carry each other pretty well, and it can get pretty yeah. awesome. But they're basically like loser loser children uh, that, that – it's it's hard to say because it's just a show of antics, right? You know, where you watch yeah. dumb people do dumb shit and it's a lot more adult oriented, but for this it's just guys who are not growing up. They're not good at being with women. They are they all each have their, you know, storylines within an episode. Sometimes they argue, sometimes they're funny. In fact, one one episode they're just arguing and arguing and arguing and they're so mad at each other that the doorbell rings and they're like, Ooh, pizza and then they stop arguing. Just eat their pizza. Right. You know, it's the cute things. Um, not a ton of like the. It's not always the cold opens that are the best, but what really works is when the show builds up to a point, and by the end of the ridiculousness, it's it's super funny. And it, I wish it's just like it's it's hard for me to exemplify and tell you the little things, um, like how we kind of talk about what we do in the shadows, uh, where I can just quickly you know get to the whole. Um, I drink drug blood and now I'm a wizard like yeah. which is immediately funny um with with this show I could I could tell you some aspects but it's not funny unless you know the characters in that right. way that's why it might take a couple episodes to get the ball rolling for you to be like okay but by episode 4 where the guys are getting their house um dusted for bugs bombed for bugs um the the lights in the office turn off and then sneakily they're leaving from under the desk from inside of the cabinet crawling out of the ceiling because they're camping out at the office when they're not supposed to be okay and then the office starts getting robbed while they're on shrooms 
Oh, jeez. So they're like, oh, jeez, what do we do? And they're freaking out, and then they, they uh, run to the ceiling. Adam won't stop eating the shrooms. But uh, they they go up to the roof. They're like, well, if we take off all of our clothes, we can wrap them together and make it like a makeshift rope. And then we could toss it over the side. And and they were like, well, is, are any of us strong enough to do that? And Adam wants to be a bodybuilder super bad. Like he thinks he's a bo- he's a bodybuilder. And he's and they they and he grabs it. And he's like, oh, I'll show you. And he tosses it, and the whole thing goes over. I'm sorry. That's all right. I'm gonna have to decall her. This is a learning experience for us to do, like <laughs> podcasts from afar. <laughs> so uh, it, these are all lessons we learned in the Denebricks early. It's and true. Now it's true. And, and now it's kind of like, <laughs> all right, it's time for Excitement Inc. to learn these right lessons um, over at HQ. Exactly. Um, so he throws the rope over. They completely lose the ropes. So now they're just on the roof, roof naked. And they're like, what did you do, Adam? And he's, he's like, I don't know. What did I do? <laughs> he's like flexing still. They're like, you fucked us. That's what you did. Because they're like sneaking through this building because they're afraid they're going to get like, you know, killed. And then um, they go back down to their office and they're like, well, what are we going to wear? And they're like, we have those oversized shirts from the from the fundraiser that we never put on. And so they, they put on these oversized, these XXL sh- shirts that don't fit them. And Adam takes the stapler and he staples down in the middle. He's like, I can fly like one of those dragons from Avatar. Oh, <laughs> and he starts jumping around and then they eventually um they set up a super booby trap by the time these these robbers are getting to the top floor and they set up this booby trap and they're like we're gonna get them and then it's like a terrible ethernet it's it's a it's a cable net made of ethernet cords yeah uh, they sharpen broomsticks to just pop up and like stab these guys and then net them and just catch them and then at the first phase adam runs up screaming with a fire hydrant sprays him in the face and then just like chunks both of them in the fucking face. You're like, bang, bang. And they're like, we had a plan. He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> Turns out they're the IT guys. Of course. <laughs> they were fixing everything. They're like, we're so sorry. Do you want some shrooms? Cut to them all <laughs> laying on the sleeping bags eating shrooms. Nice. Um, I did remember one of the, the the funniest things that happened in the whole show is that Adam gets stolen by uh, basically a MILF, and she has her own gym, and he starts spray tanning himself, and he starts making himself into a trophy boy I think for this I've older seen lady. Some of that. Yeah, and then okay. um, Anders and Blake, the other two guys, were like, "Well, how are we going to get him back?" And they're like, "Well." We're just gonna have to fuck his girl, <laughs> and so they go back. And Anders is totally hitting hitting on her while Blake is asking him to show show uh, asking the Adam to show him around the house, and he's showing him around the house while Anders is trying to like um, get the the milf off in the pool, and he's like trying to basically get with her so he can ruin their relationship and they can get Adam back because they miss Adam, who by the way right. write, writes bitch on her motorcycle. And they, of course he does, right? And he and he shows up, and and like they're totally like super flirting, about to make out, and they and Adam walks out, and he's like, "What the fuck? You, you talking to my girl dog?" And they get out, and he and Anders gets out of the pool, and he's like, "Yeah, let's go." And they start shoving each other, and Blake runs up, and he's like, "He's like, whoa, no boners during fights, because Anders had a boner in his speedo." <laughs> he's like, "No boners," and he's like, "Fine, wait for it," and then just oh, sit course. there, and they're like, "Okay, let's go." And Blake is like, okay, 
fight and they start grappling each other. And the blood's like, stop it, stop it. And they let go of each other and they both have boners again. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, Very nice. There, there's a movie they do as well called Game Over Man on Netflix. Yeah. Which is basically if they got to do an R-rated movie. Yeah. And, well, I tell you what, I think Adam likes to do nudity. And you'll see what I mean when you watch it. <laughs> I think he, I In the think best he way. shares the same the same thought process as Will Ferrell on when it comes to nudity. And it's that he likes his comedy to not have limits. Yes, very much so. So that is 100% what it is. Yeah. So he's like, I don't want to be limited in what I can and can't do. I Mm -hmm. want to max out everything possible. He does. Yeah. Like, like when Anders uh, gets bent over the desk by their boss, um, and, and still has like uh, male on female sex, and he was sitting under the, the table because he was going to seduce her under the desk. And he's super sad and he's crying because he hears them bang it out. And then and then he's crying. And then the, the boss is like, here, clean yourself up, tosses a tissue at Anders, wipes himself up, tosses it behind him. And underneath the desk, Adam reaches out, grabs the tissue. Of like, course. Ah! He's like screaming. <laughs> he, he, he gets progressively worse throughout the show. And what I mean by worse is more girl screams and more crying like a baby. Of more, course. More crying like a legit, like, sobbing, cry, whine, baby. And it's amazing. I'm going to stop talking about Workaholics because you need to just watch it for yourself. All right. Uh, Westworld Season 3 is good. And Hellier, which is like an indie documentary. I guess all documentaries are hypothetically indie depending on you know how they're achieved, but... Um, there's a, a, a show that we watched and we really liked that's gaining a lot of traction called Hellier on Amazon. I think I sent you a link for it. You did. There's two seasons. I haven't seasons. watched it yet. That's fine. It's like a continuation of the Mothman Prophecies. Okay. Um, which they made a dramatized movie about that kind of hit it on the nose. Um, people were getting weird messages and seeing weird sightings of a man with gigantic wings and um, they were getting pointed in the direction of something, and they couldn't tell. And this Mothman was trying to warn them of something. This is in real life, okay? And yeah. and then a bridge breaks down and kills, uh, like, uh, dozens of people. Yep. And a bunch of people that saw the Mothman avoided the bridge, and yes. they were saved. Yes, this is in and real life so, that this yeah. happened. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm very familiar with the Mothman prophecies. Okay. Okay, cool. But well, then, Out, outside oh, man. of the outside of the movie. Okay. There's there. There have been several sightings of the Mothman. Perfect. Then what you're going to love about Hellier is that they start following a, a, a trail about the Hellier Kentucky goblins, which are short white goblins that are seen in the woods. Uh, in the 1950s, it was reported in a farmer's almanac that uh, they crash landed and they were totally aliens. And then they de- disappeared deep into caverns where people disappear. Um, mm-hmm. It is compared to old Wiccan lore as to why things and weird things might happen. Now, what makes the show so good is something called synchronicities. They put together synchronicities in their weird, um, like, did you feel that? Kind of like if a ghost hunter is like, oh, did you feel that? Yeah, I totally felt that. Oh, that's cool. Or putting together two pieces of information. And I'm going to tell you the synchronicity that is absolutely mind-blowing. And it's going to get you to watch this show and fill in the gaps. Maybe I shouldn't because it will freak you out the most when you watch it. Synchronicities are essentially 
coincidences that happen over and fucking over and fucking over to the point that it, it's like, wow. And then they get with um, the guy who wrote the code of the Mothman prophecy. Unfortunately, they didn't get the cipher for the, the code. Um, until well after um, the tragedy that happened, uh, wherever it happened in Mothman Prophecies. I don't have these things memorized. But they uh, found the guy who wrote the cipher. And they say, what do you think of this? What do you think of these aliens and if they're talking to us and what these things are? And he says, well, I think, honestly, that they're trying to tell you to keep going and do what you're doing. You need to be careful, but you are onto something because things keep slapping you in the face. And then they leave and get slapped in the face by another blatant synchronicity. And it's not a, whoops, this is a coincidence. I mean, a balloon falls out of the sky and it gives you goosebumps because of what the balloon says on it, because of what the balloon looks like, because uh, because one of the guys looked at his, uh, met with a friend at the bar the day before and was talking about it. He said, really weird, look at this. And he has a video, friend was on a hike yesterday and out of nowhere, a blue star balloon flies up over the hill. Mm-hmm. And this is like the fourth balloon they see <laughs> that is yeah. the identical, shouldn't be there, um, and while they're they're searching for things, uh, there's a tree in a path, and they go, and they're like, oh, shit, there's a tree that got knocked down in the path that we were, like, researching. We were going to look at a cave. They're like, shit, well, let's move the tree. They get out of the car to move the tree. They pick it up. They're moving it. And he's like, come over here. And at the base of the trunk of the tree is another blue star balloon. It's freaky. It is yeah. freaky. This is a documentary. It's not – and so many people – it is so well shot that people go online on Google to see if – is it real? Like is 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 this real? And it's like, yes, it's real. Is it is it science fiction? No, this is 100 percent real. And it's insane for that reason. Uh, my favorite piece of merch and just you know to be completely fair in my suggestion of it is uh, – my favorite piece of merch is that they sell – is a review on Amazon that is one out of four stars. No goblins. <laughs> so they just got pissed off. Nice. <laughs> so you won't see goblins, but... Um, I was promised goblins! <laughs> if you get invested enough, um, you will start to see things um, that tie together because they start tying together their synchronicities through episode, through episode, through episode. And then all of a sudden you're just kind of like, Oh wow, this is starting to get actually creepy. There is absolutely no reason for this random object to relate to this random object. That is literally the, uh, 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 metaphorical example of a ritual that we have to do to summon the pagan God that actually represents this alien in this literature. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those things where you're like, are these guys making stretches? But they're not far enough stretches for it to be like, these guys are morons. The stretches make just enough sense that it – you won't feel the same after watching the show. And that's the best part about it. Um, I think that's that's everything on my TV list. Um, Wow. Yeah. You know, other than Mandalorian, which we're not talking about because we need to talk about Star Wars because we need to do a full Star Wars app. Yeah, we really do. Um, seeing as how we've been talking about this for an hour and, and 15 minutes, we could probably make this a two-and-a-half-hour episode by finishing on movies, which yeah. I think we can talk about movies for an hour and 15 minutes being oh, God, sheer yeah. amount of movies that came out last year, let alone good movies. 
do you want to take a break real quick? Do you need to pee? Do you need water? Do you? Need, I need to take Pam's collar off. That's <laughs> for sure. Should I do that real all quick? Right. Yeah, let's pee and all that fun stuff right quick. We'll come back for movies. Pee break.
Had to top off my agua. <clears throat> you had to top it off? I had to top it off. Me too. Alright. And by top it off, I mean to say I just got another can of LaCroix. LaCroix. <laughs> Pretentious French soda. All right. Right. Let's start this conversation by saying that the Avatar sequels cost $1 billion to make. The sequels. $1 billion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Do you even remember the first one anymore? <laughs> yeah, I've seen... I remember Pocahontas just fine. Okay. And it was it, it was dances with wolves. I swear to you. Okay, the last samurai. What? Okay, we are going to talk about movies now because movies are good and they're fun. And we already said Endgame was good, right? We talked about that before we. Yeah, because Endgame yeah. came out um, well before. The yeah, we last did the episode. Endgame. We did. Okay, cool. Um, well, I just talked about all my shows. Why don't you talk about um the movies you watched and if I watch them too. Uh, I'll pipe in. So many movies. So many movies. Some worth talking so, about uh, extensively, some not so much. Yes. Um, I have a feeling the ones you're going to get to are the ones that I'm just going to hop on with you. But there's <laughs> one big one. Well, one big movie studio, I should say. <laughs> That I really want to j- do the deep dive on here. I have been watching so much that has been produced by Bloomhouse. Those movies coming out of Bloomhouse are so good uh-huh. Uh-huh. across the board. And when I when I texted you that that uh, Invisible Man was like a, a must see, I don't do that like a ton with movies, yeah. do I? Yeah, I went straight to you and I was like, "You guys, you can't." I think I was really concerned that you might not watch the Invisible Man, and that's why I texted you and I was like, "You have to, you have to go watch Invisible Man." Yeah, well, they had like they had like three hit back to back to back. There was mm-hmm. Invisible Man, there was The Hunt, and there was Fantasy Island. Okay, well. No. Fantasy Island was near the bottom of that. Okay, yeah, say. that's what I thought. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't near as great as the other ones, but it was still decent. Right. I didn't want my money back. I didn't see I, I didn't see the um the hunt or Fantasy Island. You should see the hunt. Oh yeah. The hunt is really good. We will watch it tonight then. It is a it has a political bend to it. Mm-hmm. But it's still very, very good. I I enjoyed it immensely. The idea that in this is that a group of far left liberals mm-hmm. get accused of abducting far right public personalities mm-hmm. and hunting them for sport. Oh, so it's like a a, a Hunger Games with the current politics. Sort of. It's. I'm jumping off. Sorry. Yeah the 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 thing is that they get accused of this based off of a screenshot of a hacked group text. 
so they respond by of of being accused of this even though it was just kind of a joke it disrupts all of their lives to the point where they decide to actually do it so they're just abducting far-right individuals that are very public on social media and hunting them and in one case they grab the wrong person just somebody shares a name uh-oh with somebody else and the person that they grab is actually not is more central than anyone else and probably the most sane person on that island the most sane person and the most able this is a person that served two tours in afghanistan oh this is a person that has extreme force recon training so okay. they know how to survive in any environment so it's like that you're next and and shit goes bug nutty pretty early and it's just a ride the entire movie okay. i don't want to spoil anything since you're going to watch it but well we can talk about the invisible man the invisible man i actually saw twice in theaters before they shut down mm -hmm. because the wife loved it that much i enjoyed it quite a bit as well yeah um S but sarah was in love with it too the beautiful thing about what the wife and I did with our AMC A-list pack is mm -hmm. that if she wants to see a movie over and over and over again, but I want to check out other stuff, we have our own. So yeah. we can each pick. Perfect. Wow. Like my wife saw Maleficent Mistress of Evil in the theater like mm -hmm. eight times. I saw eight different movies. Okay. It worked out great. But, so, but The Invisible Man is still... Did you see it twice still, though? I did see it twice. That yes. was that good. Yeah. Who would have thought? Well, and there was that much more to catch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, because it definitely has it. It's one of those movies you can watch another time that's just yeah. equally as good. And I can't... I can't... It's so good that it came from James Wan, who... who not James Wan. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Lay Wannell. Lee Wannell, not entirely sure which one to say. It's not James Wan. They work together quite a bit, but Lay Wannell, uh, what what a crowning achievement for him because he wrote Insidious that James Wan directed. I don't know if he wrote Saw, but he, do, he did a lot of writing, and he just got into directing movies um, like Upgrade, which I saw was on your list too. Yeah. Yeah, you know he did both movie. of those? Upgrade is probably my favorite of all the Bloomhouse ones that we watched. Are you serious? I haven't seen Upgrade I love yet. That. Oh my god, it's so good. Okay, okay. It, that movie uh -huh. was <laughs> just that good, huh? I, it was it was exploring the merits of and pitfalls of the advance of technology. So this guy gets in an accident where he becomes a quadriplegic right and a bill gates type billionaire industrialist comes to him and says i have this implant that could help you walk again and so this implant gets installed in him uh -huh. and the implant is that starts talking to the guy yeah and he's like i he's like if you give me control i can get you out of this situation 
So then the guy goes, Stem, you have control. And all of a sudden, he's doing all this crazy fucking just bonkers physical attacks and everything and just, like, slaughtering people. Okay. That's... And then when it's all said and done, he goes, you have control of your body back, Dave. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And here's, like, this guy with an hyperextended jawbone now because he them put a knife in the guy's head and went <laughs> so now his mouth is just oh he looks like gosh. a beetlejuice type horror show wonderful and that is the extreme of the upgrades there are other people that have gotten cybernetic enhancements where they have installed guns in their forearms oh, so they're just putting bullets in at their elbow uh-huh. and then they can just that's cool. Fire out of their Shit. palms. I okay. I'll have to rent upgrade too, as well as that. You've been watching a lot of Bloomhouse movies. A lot of Bloomhouse movies. Jeez. Well, something about this quarantine has inspired my wife to want to see a lot of horror and uh, suspense thriller mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. And upgrade stuck out to me, so I was like, "All right, you know what? You can pick your." horrible horror movie or whatever we'll watch that and then we're gonna watch one that i want you know yeah. i want to watch upgrade and she picks this movie and it's like okay well at least that's over now and then i pick upgrade and we're watching it and she's like oh my god this is amazing i was like i know right <laughs> let me pick the movie yeah <laughs> does he does he ever at once tell tell stem to take control when his wife says she can't climax um, the accident that made him a quadriplegic killed his wife. So no. Oh no, <laughs> that does not happen. I can't bring her to climax anymore. He can still climax, but she can't still climax anymore. So the Invisible Man. Yeah. <laughs> was. I I think the Invisible Man. What made it so good? Without like you know jumping into into spoilers for those of you who can't see it because there's so much to that movie that is so. The fact that they kept the twists the way they did. It is a movie that has so many twists in it, but at the same time, um, it might be a good thriller in that way. But I think what what sets it out so much and what makes it so scary is that it makes you feel like a victim of abuse. Yeah. It makes you – it puts you in the shoes of someone who's been through some fucking shit. The movie does a – deep 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 dive into gaslighting yes very well so well and not not in the way that it's like traumatizing i would hope that anyone who's been abused in the past this doesn't perk up for them so much as like i hope it doesn't you know cause them to relapse into panic attacks as much as it does make them go damn this movie is spot fucking on in theme i would i would hope that it would inspire people that have been gaslit and in that type of environment to go i'm not alone mm-hmm. and people hopefully people who understand this movie will now understand my viewpoint yes so much because so. i spent a lot of that movie feeling powerless mm-hmm. uh-huh. and and I mean, that's what good art's supposed to do. It's supposed to make you feel something. And I yeah. felt just as powerless as Elizabeth Moss in that movie. 
because it was just like, what do you do? Yeah, and I was so worried that this was going to be after the Tom Cruise mummy movie, and they tried to make the whole universal dark universe thing. Um, I'm so glad Bloomhouse stepped in and said, "Yo, let us give us a shot at Invisible Man," and 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 then Leigh Whannell knocks it out of the park in the way that I went into this movie with low expectations. I just did. I thought that the trailer made it look like a stereotypical movie, um, and the trailer did a really good job of hiding um, a large, a large part of you know indicative things of the movie that they were yeah. able to hide really well. Um, so you were able to dodge spoilers, and despite the fact that it's it's so very clear um, how the Invisible Man is invisible from the beginning, they they let loose on that. It's not a mystery how he's invisible. The mystery is how he's coming for you, and how could he be coming for you? Uh, yeah, that that really makes you wonder what the sounds you're hearing are, the situations he's putting you in, and fucking Christ, the dinner table scene. Oh my God! Which one? <laughs> At the uh, end or in right, the middle? Right? The, the middle one. The, the one in the middle of the movie, right? But that's that's something that's so good about Leigh Lay Wannell's writing is that – and with the Insidious movie. Okay, okay. So basically with all of his movies and a lot of scares, he – likes to take situations that are not scary and make them scary. Things will happen in the middle of the day. Things will happen in the middle of public. You think it's a safe place. Nothing is safe in Leigh Whannell's horror movies. Nothing. And that's what makes them so good is when they're talking in the kitchen and insidious in the middle of the day about these things that are fucking with him. And he's talking to the, – the, the dad is talking to the medium about it and trying to figure out what's going wrong. And then you see the demon behind him. In the middle of the day, you think you think it's safe, but it's not. And they did the same thing in the dinner scene, the the middle one, and of course yeah. the one at the end of the movie is good for its own reasons, obviously, right? Right. But um, d- at least in you know without spoiling that they that they you know it it causes for a massive twist that also propels the movie at light speed in oh, terms yeah. of development and the way the story progresses. <laughs> it's so good. It's such it a good. I, just talking about it makes me want to get it again. Yeah, I might have to order it oh, yeah. now again. Yeah. We might go watch that again after. Oh, so good! And then, yeah. of course, the end of the movie, and what I think is is probably one of the most clever things to really close the circle of the experience of a victim of abuse in the way I saw it, and the way I hear about it, and the way I get to feel it through watching the movie. And experience it, which I'm nothing compares to actually, you know, this thing happening. But what I hear, you know, is the issue in terms of the fact that, um, you know, uh, why would a woman keep going back to to a man who abuses them? It's a, it's a question all of us sane people ask ourselves. And then at the end of this movie, y- you get to see the personality behind the mm-hmm. abuse, and in that way the the abuse is is like it's mind melting because you've watched this person be a monster the whole movie and then all of a sudden at the end of the movie he's okay this movie came out three months ago and it's borderline spoiler to even be talking about this but i'm just gonna say it you get to see him be funny and cute he says i didn't know what to order you for dinner so i got everything (laughs) 
Yeah. And you're like, he's good looking. He's being cute. He's being funny. Yeah. <laughs> he's a fucking monster. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And that was when that movie, that's when I knew immediately that that movie was so extraordinary. Yeah. And what it did. I don't – they should have saved it for the end of the year so it could be Oscar bait, and I hope it still is. I mean the Black Black Panther still got you know nominated for a ton of shit. So hopefully yeah. Invisible Man is not forgotten when award season comes because I think it should be – it should be in with the top films of the year. Yeah. I, I – it should be. It, I think it will be just based on on the awards that matter. I should say. Yeah, or at least the merits. It's, it's going to be in there. Based on its merits of, of how different it is and how enlightening it is in the way that uh, Get Out, for instance, il- yeah, illu- you, illuminated racism. If they if they did awards based off of Rotten Tomatoes as opposed to Hollywood campaigns. Yes. Then, yeah, Invisible Man should definitely mm-hmm. be up there. Absolutely. This Invisible Man is the best horror movie since Get Out. Plain and simple. I would say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't really see it as a horror movie. I see it more of a suspense. Suspense thriller, sure. Thriller. But you could say the same thing about Get Out. Get Out was pretty horrifying. <laughs> it was horrifying, but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't like Insidious scary. It wasn't The Conjuring scary. Annabelle Comes right. Home was really good. By the way, did you get to watch uh, that one yet? Am I? I'm, I'm stealing I, your thunder. Watched, I'm stealing your thunder. I'm sorry. <laughs> I watched Go ahead. The Conjuring and The Conjuring Two. I would, in spite of the presence of Annabelle, I have watched those two movies. Would you like me to go get the dolls from next door to uh, no, visit no, for the opinion? No, we got a Funko. Dolls. We got a Funko Pop of Annabelle too. So no, we don't need that. We don't need any of that. Fuck your dolls. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of saying, that, my wife was so itching to watch Brahms, The Boy Two. So itching to watch this movie, and I was, and she was like, "I'm just gonna buy it because I want to watch it so bad. I'm just gonna buy it." And I was like, oh, "No, no, 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 no! It's not oh, gonna be good, honey. It's not it's a sequel. Oh no, it's not gonna be good." So she buys it, and then I'm like, "All right, well, I'm out of here." And she goes, "You're not gonna sit here with me? I mean, it's a scary movie." And I was like, "What are my?" <laughs> What are my triggers, honey? You want me to watch a movie with a fucking porcelain doll? You know how I feel about that. How is what the are you Conjuring doing? not enough? How is the Conjuring not enough? The Conjuring was spectacular. Yeah, that movie I'm was so glad so you love it. Good. The slow and burn. The Conjuring scares. two was just as good. Uh huh. I I truly enjoyed both of those movies. I'm I'm not need and the nun was the nun. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't. Like spectacular, it was not nowhere near conjuring caliber. I would rather watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians with Christy than go watch The Nun again. Uh, Christy doesn't keep up with Kardashians, she well, watches whatever Real it is. Housewives. Well, okay, Real Housewives, I'm sorry, uh, Dance Moms, Orange whatever County, it is, Beverly, whatever the fuck they do, Marriage at First Sight, whatever the show is. The point <laughs> is. The point is, The Nun was so garbage. And I already talked oh. about this on the show. I'm glad you watched yeah, you it. Did. Anyways, anyways, 
Yeah. Oh, so much missed opportunity. So much missed yeah, opportunity just with the not, nun movie. But uh, the nun was terrifying in The Conjuring too, at least, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That was well. And when I heard the demon name, I was like, oh no, that's who they brought in. Because I, I did a lot of demonology research. practice. Demonology. You're. <laughs> I did a lot of research on the the heavenly battles. Okay. Okay. So the main archangels fighting the main demons, I know a lot of those names. They're immediately familiar to me when I hear them. Because you So like I couldn't list an angel for you right now, but sure. I like when I hear the name You're like Gabriel. Like, Gabriel. Michael. Yeah. You're like, That's oh right. Well, and even some of the lesser ones like Uriel, when I when the wife and I were watching Supernatural. Um, Supernatural yep. and this angel comes up as Uriel, and I was like, oh, fuck. And she goes, what? And I was like, that town is toast. And she goes, how do you know? And I was like, because Uriel's there. Yes. And she's like, what does that mean? And I was like, mm-hmm. Uriel was like God's smiting hammer. Like when he was when he said, I want Sodom and Gomorrah wiped off the mat, he's, map, he sent Uriel to do it. <laughs> Uriel is God's wrecking ball. He is. That's why what makes it fun, and I don't know if you know this, but uh, two things about The Conjuring. The first of which is that it's actually produced by Bible thumpers. Yeah, the Conjuring movies are produced by Bible thumpers because they want to bring the 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 belief. They want to bring the uh, uh, and I don't. I guess I shouldn't say Bible thumpers because I don't know that much about it. But they want to bring a. a, a a spiritual belief they want to add that into the horror aspect because if there are demons there have to be angels and they still you know they get into that in the movies in the way that yeah. um it's your belief that can fight evil and honestly it's not something that they cram down your throats because the movies are still terrifying in their own right yeah um well and the whole idea behind it is that an angel that denies god god denies them and then they become a demon they don't lose any of their power yeah it just shifts because God's presence is no longer there. It's true. So there's that. And then uh, The Nun was added in post-production. They went back to do three weeks of reshoots, and that's how The Nun ended up in the movie. Yeah. Well, and using Valak makes sense because Valak was one that used the church as a perversion mm-hmm. to torture man. Right, and especially so it makes sense that a nun would be possessed by Valak because okay, that's what Valak does. He uses your iconography against you uh to turn your soul, and that's okay. So they did their research, so that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So, and I mean, and in one of the other ones, it was Azazel, and Azazel was like, (laughs) Azazel's fucked up, dude. But I won't. I won't do the deep dive into demonology here but sure. anyway conjuring great yes conjuring two just as good none in, uh, okay how was annabelle annabelle i didn't see how was annabelle I comes watched home annabelle or annabelle comes home I how about annabelle either. creation nope Mm-mm. no you know what i figured conjuring conjuring two was just enough uh-huh. i don't need to i don't need to continue because sure. those two were so good yeah and the nun was so disappointing that I'm sure. just kind of like, I don't need to continue down this path. I've seen the best of what it has to offer. Mm-mm. Annabelle creation is top three. Is it better than conjuring and conjuring two? It c- creation 
actually could fit in between Conjuring and Conjuring 2 if you wanted to put them up against each other. Creation is... That's, that's not good enough for me to continue, if that makes sense. Fair enough. I mean, it's... It, like, it was... I've seen The Godfather. I've seen Godfather Part 2. I feel no desire to see Godfather Part 3. I see that. As much as I love Godfather and Godfather 2. That makes sense. I mean, you know, if 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 ever a situation comes again where it would strike you, I would still suggest Annabelle Creation because there's still something to gain from that. It's also done by David F. Sandberg, who did Lights Out, um, and then directed Shazam. And he's good at that stuff. Yeah. Did you ever watch Lights Out? Nope. Oh, that's a good one. You guys watch Lights Out. Me. No, you guys should watch uh-huh. Lights Out. You need to watch Lights Out. That's yeah. the one where you turn off the lights and you turn it back on and she's closer. Like, she yeah. she moves in the dark, so if the lights no. go off, she moves. She comes closer. So, like, there's an LED light blinking outside on and off, and every time it comes on, the open okay. sign. Have you seen the episode of Doctor Who entitled Blink? I've never seen Doctor Who in my life. All right, you know what? Oh, if you watch the, the, the episode no, I do, Blink I do. That's what with those, those, those uh, statues that move every time, and they get closer every time. Right? Yeah. There they're is... the ones that move when they're not being looked at. That's why they look like they're weeping. Okay. Because they don't want to look at each other. I love it. There's an Easter egg in Black Ops 4 where you go into the town during a, a training session. Uh, it's called Nuketown, but they have a bunch of mannequins that stand in there because it's like a nuke town. It's a test town, right? Because they're testing nukes. And if you put in the right code and you do the right Easter egg thing, they start coming at you zombie style only when you're not looking. No, in a no. game imagine doing that in borderlands you turn around and they're all no. clambering at you like this you look away they're like this it's i'll let death trap handle it man <laughs> yeah right be like you fight them all that's so funny i digress we should probably move on because we're running out of time um i watched a movie that i a horror movie that i actually really really recommend called the poughkeepsie tapes and this is one of these mockumentary movies how is this something i've never heard of there's a horror movie you've heard of that i haven't i don't know where christy found it it. this what is it on the premise of this movie oh god i don't remember how we watched it the premise of this movie is that they find a kidnapper slash serial killer they're tracking him they go to one of his former addresses, and in this house, they find a coffin. Inside it is a woman that was abducted 12 years prior. She's in a mask. She's in a corset. She's, like, dressed in this sexy outfit. hmm Nearly dead in the coffin. And then they find a box Filled with videotapes that are numbered. Oh boy. They start going through the tapes and it's him stalking this woman that's in the coffin. Him finally abducting her, him killing her boyfriend, him bringing her back to his house. Really? And his systematic torture and abuse of her to where she becomes his willing slave. Whoa. Mixed in there is other people that he's abducted, tortured, raped, and killed. Okay. And she is a, in some cases, she is a party to it. Uh-huh. And it's just, and 
it's done very well in that they're like interviewing these people that were how, like how's it a mockumentary though is it supposed to be like funny or like what no it's it, no it's like it's a definitely documentary, horror. but it could very well be real but okay. it's not okay so it's it's where this guy is talking and he's like i was the guy that was tasked with watching every single one of the tapes and then they show the him standing in this like warehouse mm -hmm. and all the tapes are stacked end to end or flat to flat you know so you can read all the labels really and it's four rows wide and it goes the entire length of this warehouse oh, there are so many tapes shit. and he was tasked with watching all of them and he's like i don't remember what life was like before but i know that it was better than life after watching these tapes it's oh, it's just it's horrifying it's traumatizing the little bits that they do show it's like this guy's doing the creepiest fucking shit ever. Like he, there's one port cause they'll like keep cutting to portions of the tape and then cutting yeah. back to interviews of the law enforcement and everything. Okay. That's what makes it mockumentary. I get it. Right. So it's like they're interviewing law enforcement talking about what happened and then cutting to these tapes and then cutting to the guy that had to watch them, you know, and all the things he's talking about. Yikes. And it's the realism in it is what makes it truly horrifying. Yeah. Like that. Because uh... it's it's so bad that you don't want to believe that it's possible. Sure. But the realism is to the point where you're like, this could very well be real. Yeah. It, it the fourth kind was a lot like that. Yeah. So watch the Poughkeepsie, Poughkeepsie tapes. It's crazy. we will tonight. Now. Yeah. You just gave me a bunch of movies to watch. Yeah. Keep going. For the first time in my life, last night I watched Footloose <laughs> from 1984. Really? The Kevin Bacon classic Footloose. I had never seen it. Okay. And uh, my friends with their kid uh, made their kid watch it, basically. Okay. And they were like, yeah, we made her watch Footloose. And I was like, I've never seen that. And they were like, oh, you're not. And I was like, okay. And Christy was like, yeah, you should watch it. I was like, have you seen it? She goes, yeah. I was like, do you remember any of it? She goes, bits and pieces. So I was like, okay. What I didn't realize is how many classic 80s songs were original songs for that movie. It's true. The majority of the soundtrack of that movie is all classics that I grew up with. Yes. Never knew they came about strictly because of Footloose. Yeah. Never knew that they were all written by the same guy, basically, mm. and performed by different artists, but they're all written by the guy who wrote Footloose. It's true. I was like, this is, a, this is spectacular. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I was like, there's no way that's an original song. Yes, it was written for Footloose. I was like, oh, my God. That being said, the movie ages okay. Okay. Um, Now, it was always sold to me as this 
heavily Baptist town with this preacher that has basically the populace in the palm of his hand. Mm -hmm. And he has outlawed dancing and all the fun things for teens to do in an effort to control their lives and everything. And Kevin Bacon comes in as his sworn enemy to make it all, you know, to change his viewpoint and everything. And he cuts loose. So I was, I was expecting this epic feud between the two breakdance fighting and that and that was not the case Mm -mm. like they were both on different sides of this battlefield hi athena they were both on these on opposite sides but they weren't like openly antagonistic towards each other like when john lithgow and kevin bacon finally meet they have a civilized conversation both emphasizing their points and (laughs) i'm the high commander and i say you won't dance and he's like the bible celebrates dancing you celebrate the bible you should also celebrate dancing and so the the line that really struck home for me in this movie was when john lithgow as the baptist preacher comes around and he addresses his congregation. And he says, how can we expect to raise our children as trustworthy if we're not going to trust them? And I was like, he got it. Holy shit. A religious leader got it. Wow. <laughs> so that, I, and I mean, it's a fun movie. It's a good yeah. movie. You know, Kevin Bacon in a, in a white t-shirt and jeans was so cool that that's all I wanted to wear. Oh yeah. When I was growing up, when I was a kid, Footloose, um, him and Footloose, and then uh, um, uh, Freddie Mercury at the benefit concert. The live aid. The, yeah, yeah, the live aid wearing the white shirt and the, and then it's kind of magic. That whole album, just there. There oh, are yeah. certain looks and things that you know. And then I was like, you know what? Um, if Kevin Bacon could save the world with. Um, Dancing, I think he would. Well, in Guardians of the Galaxy, he did. <laughs> he did, you know. And then, and then in Infinity War, he's like, "We bro- we did break dancing and we saved the galaxy." Like Kevin Bacon, he gets it totally. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Kevin Bacon's a hero." He's like, "Yeah, I don't know." Chris is, Chris Pratt's like, "Yes, no, I don't know." I still want him and John Hamm to do a morning show called "Enjoy Your Breakfast with Bacon and Ham." Ooh. I want that. That would be good. Pitching it right now. Pitching it right now. Okay, continue. Anyway. And then probably the best movie oh, yeah. that I watched. Uh-huh. Over our break. Oh yeah. It's the coming. Joker. Mm-hmm. The Joker. That movie. Oh my. That when I walked out of the theater after the first time seeing that, I was like, "This has immediately jumped into my top ten of all time movies." It's so well done, and I started looking online at what other people were saying afterwards, and I saw these comments from people who obviously had not watched the movie. One, that one star was, out of five, no Batman. They were saying, well, no, they were saying that it made people sympathize with a villain. 
and I was like, "How I, we must not have watched the same movie?" Because when I walked out of that theater, I did not sympathize with the Joker at all. I sympathized with every person who had to live in that world with the Joker. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Now that he was the Joker. Yes, one hundred percent. And it's a. It's about the failures of society to look out for those who can't look out for themselves mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the cost of that type of action. And so this is a world now where the system was set up to help him, yes. ultimately failed him. Mm-hmm. And when it when it fails him and then... Help, it just steamrolls and fails everyone else. Yeah. And then as the society begins crumbling and we get to the riot at the end of the movie and Uh it's just like, you, it's like his joke ended. You get what you pay for. It's true. And I think that that was the smartest thing they could have done for this movie. I went in, I, I went in with, with no expectations for this because I didn't want to watch it. I didn't even see it in theaters. We ended up renting it when it was on uh, HD just because I didn't I didn't care to see it and which is cuz I'm don't get me wrong I mean look at my wall behind me I like yeah. comic book characters I'm not in love with DC per se but I you know still get me some Batman I still love the Dark Knight but this movie I I just kind of saw from afar and I was like is this really what it needs to be I managed to dodge spoilers all the way through to January uh and was really blown away from the way they started from the idea of the Joker in a modern world from the ground up and worked up from there to to tell a story of what would make a man into the Joker. And that's part of the thing of where people are a little upset that they're like, oh, I'm sympathizing with a villain. And even then you say you feel, feel sorry for the people in that, that town and I might not feel sorry for – for uh, you know, Joker or Arthur, and the way he was he was doing what he was doing, his his behavior is obviously apprehensible. But when you look at the way it boils from the ground up to the top, he is not the villain. He's not the villain. That's the no. craziest, and I'm gonna go full rich and say that's the baddiest part of the whole movie <laughs> is that he he really is obviously he's got issues but in a society that fails him where he is the underdog he is just the underdog and despite the fact that he keeps getting pushed through places uh where things don't go well and he's just being publicly humiliated I would have shot Robert De Niro on the head too <laughs> if I had a laughing disorder and I got put on a stage. That that was just so very um very poignant to me at least in the way that he he exposed the world for what it was. He was able to to um you you sit in non-reality with him where yeah. where it's like, can this all be actually real? Because my idea of society is a lot, you know, what society is supposed to be is a lot different from what's actually happening to me right now. Um, and do I defend myself? And how do these things get out of hand? And how do they develop further? 
and you know Arthur just happens to be that diamond in the rough that's able to incite that change so well that I would even venture to say like they've talked about doing a Joker sequel and yeah. how how do you make a sequel out of that how do you make a sequel out of something that was so well told from beginning to end and I mean my first idea is for him to be the leader of a, of a revolution in Gotham or for this to have come and gone and he wants to do something and the crime is rampant because people don't like Gotham people don't like the city and the city sucks and it gets worse and worse but what if they did a Joker sequel where Batman is the bad guy the legitimate villain in the same theme in the same way they tear it apart maybe in the way that he's militarized maybe in the way that he's deciding who's right and who's wrong he's not letting people use their free voice to do what they want to do and granted people commit straight up crime right and they might have to fundamentally change batman a little bit but they fundamentally changed joker yeah in that way I think I think it was a great way to to make a statement. I think it was a great way to open up the the dialogue for that. And if they could keep if they, if they found a way to keep the ball rolling and do it appropriately, I think that would be a great way to give us more of that. I think if they were to do a sequel, it would have to involve Harley Quinn. I think the only way to and to I like that. I think the only way to further the joker story is to have batman on the periphery like not wrong like he always like like he was he was a known presence we knew he was coming we just hear in the background that that no one's getting the job done (laughs) yeah so there years pass joker is a criminal element joker gets into therapy and actually falls in love with his doctor. And the kicker there is that the doctor actually loves him back. So now he doesn't want to be Joker criminal element anymore. He just wants to be Arthur again. Oh, oh, okay. Never mind. He just wants, he just wants to have the American dream. He wants to be with a woman. He wants to, live his life he wants all the things that everybody wants he can't have now someone to love and everything like that but because he's got this history and he's got this history with the batman he can never not be a criminal anymore what if his what if his clowns um all are are donating their plunder like Robin Hood style to the homeless, feeding the homeless, donating the shit, stealing from the rich, giving to the poor, and Batman's the one stopping it. Huh? Well, I mean, the whole the whole thing of the Joker was that he wasn't trying to be the he wasn't trying to be a criminal element. He wasn't trying to be a bad guy at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was just trying to survive in this fucked up world. And every decision put it is put in front of him. He didn't have the tools to make the right one. And so if you do a sequel with Harley Quinn, that becomes mad love that 
is you can run that same theme. He's trying to not be a criminal element, but every turn yes. just leads him further down that path no matter what he does. You're not wrong. I mean, in, in the Joker, he a guy hands him a gun and he tells him, I am not supposed to have a gun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the guy goes, you need to protect yourself. <laughs> you need the gun. So he didn't even want it. He didn't even seek it out. It yeah. was given to him. Yeah. And he tried to refuse it, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that wasn't going to happen. Uh-huh. Such See, a good that's, movie. It's, it's a brilliant movie. We rented it, and then a week later I bought it. <laughs> See, we saw it in the theater like opening weekend and I was just like I'm going to see this movie over and over and over again we didn't make it back to the theater to watch it because there were so many other movies that I just kept going there were a lot of movies and like pretty much everything that came out since yeah since our hiatus to when theaters opened I've seen most of it right so the Shoot. new Charlie's Angels isn't that bad. Oh, I was not expecting it to be as good as it was. That's what I heard too. Is things about that? I haven't seen that. It's it took, not a bad watch. I didn't get to see a lot of the Oscar bait until after they were on uh, digital. Yeah, which is weird because I'm usually one who goes to the theater all the time. Yeah. Oh, that A list pays for itself, man. I hear. In like, in like. Two movies. Did they at least refund you because pandemic? Or is it a monthly thing? They didn't even charge me. Oh. oh. Okay, fair enough. That's interesting. They, they just basically said, your uh, membership's suspended until we're open. Yeah, wow. Jeez. And haven't charged me. If they survive it. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I was hoping, man. Trolls mm, World I Tour. Am... I did not see that. Okay. You should. I didn't enjoy the first one. That's okay. They're so, they're both moderate. Angry Birds is way better. Do you have didn't more? See either of those either. Do you have more? Um. Uh. Well, I just said I've seen like everything in the theater, so there's not much to more to go over. Okay. The only other one that I wanted to mention, and you mentioned it in your list too. Mm-hmm. Knives Out. Damn straight. I knew that was coming. Oh, you knew that was coming. Yeah, I did. I want to buy that movie so bad. I haven't bought it yet, but poor, I want to add poor, that to my collection. Poor why? I loved that movie. I, I thought it was just great. I liked it. I didn't I, love it, but I liked it. I loved the old movie Clue. I don't know if you ever saw that. Uh-uh. It was a murder mystery whodunit based off the board game. Right. Clue. And the the cast was amazing. So you got Tim Curry as the butler, Wadsworth. Uh, you got Madeline Kahn as Mrs. White. Uh, Leslie Ann Warren as Miss Scarlet. And so there's uh, Martin Mull, Christopher Lloyd, just... The cast was heavy with stars, comedic stars. Better be. And 
and it's just so funny. The jokes when I was a kid, most of them flew over my head, but watching it recently is hilarious. There's one there's one point where they're accusing Mrs. White of killing a woman and uh Colonel Mustard goes up to her and he goes, "How many men have you slept with?" And she goes, "Mine or other women's?" <laughs> it's like, so that joke flew over my head as a kid. So it's worth going back to. I think it's on Amazon Prime yeah. right now. Oh yeah, yeah. You can you can stream it wherever. But mm-hmm. Knives Out called back to that in a way that it wasn't necessarily playing the comedy as hard, but that who done it aspect was was still and we there. We and I got that clue feeling yeah well we haven't had a good old whodunit in a long time yeah you know ryan was able to identify that and be like well how do i want to make it and boil it down and it what i like about it is it plays out like a classic old movie you know where it's like twist and twist and twist but it's really just that one last plot element that despite the fact that we saw it in the beginning if you just boil it down we'll figure out who it was right and not in this way of like, it's him, oh, twist, it's him, in this weird way. But I think that what is probably the coolest underlying element is the idea that that we actually know who killed him from the beginning. Yeah. And that is the, that is the detriment of the movie in this whodunit. It's like this thing of like, oh, it's not a whodunit. It's like, how are we going to hide whodunit? Because we know the whodunit. It's that was the cleverest thing about a, a, a cleverest thing about it in my opinion. Um and it's kind of sad because things were already going wrong in the first place. But it, it's a tragedy in that way too, you know. Ryan is very good at making unique movies. He really is. Yeah. If you go back to a lot of old whodunits, mm-hmm. that's typically how they work. Yeah. Because totally. they'll show you right off the bat, this is what happened. And then they will feed you red herring after red herring after red herring after red herring until okay. you understand why what happened happened. That makes sense. Okay. So that's that's kind of the nature of a whodunit is that you you realize who did it. You realize the motivations behind everyone behind why it's a mystery who did it yeah and then by the end of the movie you understand why what happened happened that makes sense absolutely so you know it's more about the journey what else did you like about it um well the cast was amazing oh yeah i loved i loved um don johnson in there um daniel craig doing the daniel craig just laying his foghorn leghorn on so thick mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep and i saw a bunch of people complaining about that online and i was like that's the gag that's, that's what it. makes that's what makes that if he didn't play that up so hard it would not have been near as entertaining exactly and it wouldn't have been you know so so sheerly adaptive of the the movies the whodunits that preceded it it's like oh y'all have obviously never seen an agatha christie yeah you know for you not to not know that these these hyper stylized detectives are just part of the genre yeah yeah 
Um, Chris Evans was great in it. <laughs> yeah, he uh, was. Who else? I mean, everybody was firing on all cylinders. It's it was true. like there wasn't a there wasn't a misstep anywhere. That house was cool too. The house was cool. Mm-hmm. The house was a character in itself. Yeah. And it's, I, the way that everything was shot, just with that massive knife wall behind everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then whenever they're being interviewed, it's always just a little bit off, like you're just off target. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Except for the one instance where it's like you are dead on target. Yes. Because we can't say it without spoiling. Right. I love that, too. So all of those <clears throat> things just played so well together. That was an Oscar bait movie. We can, we can, I could start my list with other Oscar baits. Go ahead. Let's start with 1917, which is easily one of my most favorite movies of all time now. Um, all right. In, in the fashion that it, uh, have you seen 1917? I have not. not oh, yet. you didn't see it? Not yet. You didn't see it? I'm not big on war movies. You, you I've never seen see Saving it? Private Ryan either. What? Okay. Or Dunkirk or any of okay. that. I'm no, not big on the war well, time. First of all, Dunkirk is a gigantic fucking waste of time. Dunkirk is a confusing piece of shit that just pisses me off. Um... 1917 is unique in the way that um, so okay so the reason Saving Private Ryan was so popular um, was probably because of the the sheer reality that was the first time they brought some insane reality shit to these movies because all before they were heroes they were gallant they were doing these things um, they because you know drama and the heroes in action and Saving Private Ryan was the first movie that bodies were dropping nonstop. It opens with fucking D-Day, and the bodies are dropping nonstop. Guy, a medic is 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 literally patching someone up, and he gets hit, and you see a bullet go through his canteen, and it starts pouring out, and then it becomes blood, and then he gets the bandage on, and then he drops because he just bled out of an artery. <laughs> right. Okay. There's a guy who gets a, he gets a, a bullet to his helmet, and it ding, and he, he's like, oh, cool, and he takes it off, and then he gets another one through the head. <laughs> right. Because yeah. No, I I played Conker's Bad Fur Day. I understand okay. what happens in Saving Private Ryan. I exactly. Just had no interest in seeing it based on that. Uh, fair enough. 1917 is very special in in the way that it is also a character study um, of a soldier because you have it's it is two people um, they are they are given orders to go stop an attack because the attack is actually walking into a trap um, and one of the kids his brother is one of the the uh, lieutenants in that that um regiment and so he's he's like you go with maps and the the boy he's he can't be a day over 19 okay and he's like i got it he's like we're gonna do it and he walks out with the guy that was sleeping next to him uh when their uh corporal came over and said you guys just got called by the general you guys need to go you know to this to this room he just taps the next guy next to him he's like let's go and they're walking and then you know when things start going wrong on the other side of the, the battle, then they have to start having this conversation um, because the guy he picked randomly, he didn't know what they were getting picked for, but he picked the guy as his partner. 
he's like he he taps him um and then they're on the other side and he's like why did you have to pick me for this because they have to literally cross into enemy lines um some some really bad some not as bad um and it's it's just not your typical war movie in that fashion first of all because it's there aren't a, a ton of gun battles it's really a survival thriller yeah more than anything um there aren't big firefight battles um and it's actually very intimate in the way that i'm not sure if you've heard about this yet but 1917 is a single shot i had heard that yeah the movie begins with realistically it's not obviously not an actual single shot but it looks like one in the way they do their transitions etc um and the move the the camera doesn't stop from beginning to end and they find ways to break it up so that they can do it but the first scene is six minutes long so these guys had to rehearse these scenes like they were stage plays and they couldn't mess them up while they were doing these things it's also a Sam Mendes movie. Sam Mendes is pretty good at his shit, but there's a reason people really thought, really, really thought it was going to win Oscar, the Oscar for best film. And uh, the cinematography is clear why it needs to be that. Um, it's all my voodoo. I think you you should you should go give it a shot because it is still much different from your typical war movie sarah is also the same way she thinks war movies are boring she's not into action flicks and i was like you got to give this one a shot and we watched it and sarah was incredibly impressed she said i that was very tense for me but it wasn't boring it was never boring it the trailers for it had the same feel as lord of the rings and so i i wouldn't say that i was disinterested it was more like it at the top of your list of all the movies coming out that was nowhere near a priority okay basically you just you just so. told me you saw so many movies i was like oh there's no way he didn't see 1917 yeah that was one i didn't catch i i did see Zombieland double tap which was out around the same time oh yeah that one was okay i fell asleep at the end didn't really but i yeah it didn't I'd... grab me near as hard but it was still pretty funny that one I was pretty funny it. did uh uh 1917 got beat out by Parasite just dropped yeah. on just dropped on Hulu. Did you see Parasite? I did not see Parasite yet. Okay. Have you? Did you ever see The Host? Did not see The Host. Okja on Netflix. No. Okay. I haven't watched a lot of Korean Asian films. <laughs> the cool thing about Bong Joon Ho films is that he combines. A level of realness but he also puts in some some horror elements um and humor at the same time he finds humor in the desolation which which is something that makes his his commentary in his film really good and the first and the second movie oak jaw it never ever ever let christy watch oak jaw okay okay Okja made me feel how she feels when she sees animal cruelty. Okay. okay. Um, it was safe a, it to was say Christy will never watch a Korean movie. Okay, fair enough. Well, you can still get like English subtitles. That being said, the the uh, um, Parasite was very clever in the way that these these movies blend genres, right? Um, and in the way that I'm telling you that they have the horror elements and the comedy elements and action. And this one, 
uh, what makes Parasite so unique is that it is a combination of of more of horror elements inside of a comedy heist film. Okay. Where the basic premise, I'll tell you right now, is that a very poor family um, who's not really like they're good, but they can't, they don't make the cut. Their oldest son wants to go to Harvard and he's failed his test three times he can't get in he's clearly super smart because he's great at english he's so good at english that he gets hired by his friend who's traveling abroad to teach a rich girl english and he says you should go tutor her he says okay he says you're gonna need a degree he's like yeah but my sister's good with that turns out his sister could work for adobe she's so good at graphic design can't get a job in it though um and she makes him a degree from from Harvard for English. He gets in, and then he ends up suggesting, you know, your little boy looks a little messed up. Maybe he could use like an art therapist, especially if he likes his art. This kid is constantly drawing things, and he gets his sister, and his sister like ends up showing up, and she talks a ton about art therapy. And she sounds like a professional, and she's like – she takes this kid who's a complete brat upstairs, and they come back down, and she she says, uh, don't forget to, to wipe your feet and do all these things. And she's got this kid trained in a half an hour yeah, like that. And they're walking out, and he's like, nice job. And she's like, yeah, it's amazing how much Wikipedia can teach you in a half an hour. <laughs> so they bullshit the entire family into the house. But the family, this rich family, has no idea that they're all related. Yeah. And then the family goes out of town, and uh, the rich family, they, they, they leave. They go out of town, and then they, they go in the house and start partying until they find out what's in the basement. Oh, so uh, <laughs> that's where I'll stop. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. I do but intend on watching this movie. You should. Uh, the 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 most clever part about Parasite is uh, it's a lot like Joker. Is where you figure out are these people who just worked their way into the house are they parasites or are the rich right. people parasites? And they do a amazing amazing job in the cinematography and the way they tell the story of flipping the perspective where you, you where you're sitting here like I hate them, and then by the end of the movie you're like, oh I feel so oh, bad for them. I hate them. Yeah. Like, you can't decide who you hate more, and you can't decide who the real parasite is, and that's the most wonderful part of the movie. Probably why it I, I will check this out. Do I, it. Did I sell you? I have to, well, I have to watch it when Christy's not around. Of course, yeah. Oh, no. Christy won't watch it. You should see if there's subtitles, or if there's dubs. That doesn't matter. Really? The, the cadence with which an Asian language is spoken mm -hmm. grates on Christie's ears. She oh, can't handle okay. she can't handle hearing Korean, Japanese, Chinese, Mandarin. Okay. Um any of the Asian languages. Fair just, enough. There's something to the cadence, there's something to the pronunciation that just Loses messes her, her up. That makes sense. Well, um, yeah. You'll... I tried taking her to an Asian market once, and that did not work out well for anyone. <laughs> okay. Duly noted. Uh, more more films on the list uh, that I have, at least. 
is kind of like a I don't think we're gonna get into video games this episode. We're definitely doing a separate video games episode. Um yeah. because I really just want to touch on these Onward by Pixar. It was good. It was excellent. It was excellent. I enjoyed it. Um Bad Boys for Life. See Never that? saw the first two, so how was Bad Boys for Life? Bad Boys for Life is the best one out of all of them, but it's weird, okay? Because as an action movie, Bad Boy, you should you should really watch Bad Boys. Um, I think has Christy seen the Bad Boys? Nope. You guys should. Uh, Sarah hadn't seen him. She was really happy. See, your affinity for Will Smith mm-hmm. is the exact opposite of my affinity for Will Smith. Fair enough. Like but, I will tolerate him if he's in something I like. Sure. The thing is, is it Martin Lawrence is why you watch Bad Boys, okay? Oh, okay. Well, that might have actually sold me because I love Martin. Martin is peak Martin Lawrence in this, in the way that um, he's a detective and he's partnered with a bad boy, but he's a family man, and then they're they're trying to hide a murder witness in his house but will smith wasn't around so martin lawrence had to introduce himself as will smith as a bachelor so he's ended up having to sleep on the couch at will smith's place while will smith is being the family man at his house okay (laughs) this is just the first bad boys okay Okay. (laughs) are you are you on now (laughs) can i tell Uh, can i depends on how much of it's martin lawrence and how much of it's will smith we'll see um, I'll give it a shot. It's so weird in the dichotomy that Bad Boys is like a like a, an action movie and a comedy movie at the same time because these are uh, – what do I want to say? Jerry Bruckheimer. It's not – it's Michael Bay um, yeah. does these, okay? And um, the action is always – it just sucks. The first movie is old enough that the shootout action scene is just a bunch of – you know what I mean? Right. Um, they step up the action in the second one for sure. And the third one somehow ended up being the best one, best story, all of it. But um, it's the di- the dichotomy and the comedy. The comedy keeps the bad action and the bad plot afloat very, very well. Um, I I mean I fell asleep watching the second one um, the other night just because I was tired because obviously we work super early in the morning. Um, and Sarah woke me up crying in laughter <laughs> because she was laughing at Martin Lawrence who might or might not have – they might not have gone to their sergeant's house while Martin Lawrence uh, had accidentally ingested some uh, uh, ecstasy. and But they found out what they needed to find out at the club, so they go to their sergeant's house. Their sergeant is played by Joe Pesci. Oh, no. And he does not take shit. He does not. Oh, he has no. got a fucking temper. Like, g- g- well, yep. it's Joe Pesci. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so you start. You 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 get into uh, Bad Boys Three, and they're doing stuff. And Joe Pesci is 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 like, before you say a word, I have to take my heart medication, <laughs> my, my <laughs> because <laughs> he said I can't have you guys in my room in my office without me taking a pill for my blood pressure (laughs) and he's doing like zen shit in the third movie because he's trying to chill out he said he's like take off your slippers in my office so the way they develop it it actually somehow gets better movie by movie okay i i i suggest it but um uh bad boys for, for life was pretty good furthermore 
what else came out last year so, uh, let's touch on a couple movies that are like garbage real quick uh because we needed to kind of talk about that the first one i'm going to start with is i did see midsommar and i really wanted to put midsommar in there uh if you haven't seen it don't i'm about to spoil it what the fuck what the <laughs> fuck was that movie what did i just watch four months ago uh, I'm freaked out still by thinking uh, just the thought of that movie just makes me like that was like a weird like it was like torture porn but it wasn't weird torture porn and it was it was weird in the way of like it was masturbation filmmaking okay because someone in their mind thought it would be really interesting for characters to behave the way they did and for a man to be nailing a woman uh who's been picked out for him uh who, who he's been ingesting the pubic hairs of and the period blood of and she gets picked out he's obviously a douchebag and this is something that they prayed on the whole time because the poor girl who he's with has clear issues because of how fucked up she is from her fucking her sister's fucking suicide murder of herself and her parents by fucking duct taping hoses to their fucking mouths with the fucking shit anyway she's fucked up i understand where he was going with it the end was too long in form for it to be anything but if i wanted to watch a fucking weird movie i would literally like go to the bottom of the bin in an old blockbuster (laughs) you know what i mean like in that that weird way it felt very indie very too artsy fartsy by the end um, with the women moaning in succession with a girl getting railed. The girl outside is crying because she figured out it happened and she's running around crying because she found out her husband or her boyfriend is the douchebag he is. And she's running around crying, wailing, and the other women are wailing with her. They're not actually yeah. like upset about anything. They're just emulating her because that's the ritual. It's that stuff that like it turned me off to the whole movie i was like for a lo- for the longest time i thought this is clever this is well shot and then they got to the end and it was that weird again i'm gonna say it masturbatory filmmaking that really made me upset with the movie and made me feel like i i did ultimately waste my time yeah did i nail it did i nail it for you it was do you it, need to well, say anything the because we can just move on on reflection of that movie i took it as a movie about community and maybe i took what i wanted from it sure so that i was like you know there's gotta be something to this that i'm missing now a lot of the a lot of the psychedelic scenes matched up like when when they're in that field approaching the community yes and that was a good one. things are like spinning and I thought like it was cool when they were blending into areas. the grass when she looks down and she's actually a part of the ground. Yeah. That was cool. That's what hallucinogenics do to you. So when you're tripping, that's the kind of shit you'll see. Yeah. So it seemed like that was from that point. Sorry, that was something I took from it. The wavy trip like at one point there was a real hallucination in there that like I've experienced before. Yeah. Uh, that was weird i was like it took me i was like holy shit that's a real thing i was like tapping i was like that's a real thing yeah so the the whole i took it as an acid trip Mm -hmm. gone bad extended oh okay gone far too long Uh uh-huh and that it was 
they weren't I don't fucking know, dude. We talked about it enough. That's uh, yeah, goofy movie. Goofy. It ended up being goofy. far more goofy. Goofy, goofy movie. But I remember what she said about it when you first said you watched it. Is that it definitely like improves on like the weirdness and the creepy factor, but horror not so much. Right. So, um not nearly as terrifying as hereditary was. But I don't think that's really what he was aiming for. So whatever, fuck it. All right. Cats. <laughs> now talk about what the fuck did I just watch? Pretty much. I agree. Have you heard about oh. this uh, butthole cut, too, that they were talking about? It doesn't need a butthole cut. It doesn't deserve a butthole but it, cut. But it had buttholes in it. It did. There is a draft out there of cats that exists that each cat has a butthole. That is a realism of it. You know what's so funny is that the, the guy who made the movie said that it was they were banking on this, like, cleaning out the Oscars. <laughs> They were banking on this movie cleaning out the Oscars. That's how they got the budget to fucking make it. Okay? He wanted things that were so unrealistic for the for the people doing the VFX that they couldn't do it. And now it's come out. They were like, yeah, the, the director, he's kind of just a prick. He just walked in. He has no idea about the process, what we go through, and what we're trying to do. He doesn't realize he can't just make something you know, on the green screen and give it to us, and then it magically does what he wants it to do. That's not how it works. He has to shoot it the right way. He has to be ready for it the right way. The movie looked, outside of the cats, the aesthetic was good and then that was the last thing that was good about the whole movie okay going into that movie is it because i saw it in the theater sorry the wife and i saw this movie in the theater i'm sorry so going into this Mm -hmm. i was expecting a shit show (laughs) i was expecting this to be the worst movie i would ever see okay what i got was not was I, what i was expecting uh-huh. but i also was not disappointed based on my expectation yeah if that makes sense uh-huh. i have no idea how this show ran on broadway for so long this is from what i understand this is basically a shot for shot of the play. Yeah. Just a movie version of the play that stayed on Broadway for fucking years. 100%. Now, my impression within about 20 minutes of seeing the within 20 minutes of the movie going on, I was like, this was written by T.S. Eliot, the guy that wrote War and Peace. Mm-hmm. Nearest I can figure is that he was on a writer's block of war and peace decided to go to the bar get absolutely thrashed on absinthe and talk to a war widow about her relationship with all of her 20 cats since her husband died in the war really this is my impression okay this is what i was like i couldn't tell that was such a good story that you could like okay and it makes so much sense it does though it does though She's like, that one doesn't get along with the other one, and he's stealing all their souls, and one of them's going to go to heaven. (laughs) This is a crazy cat lady talking to somebody who is drunk and hallucinating and writing down every word she says like gospel. I lose one cat a year to the moon. (laughs) Okay. After that, 
he wrote it down in a book of poetry mm-hmm. went home slept it off woke up the next morning and went what the fuck is this mm-hmm. and put it in a drawer yes finished war and peace and then died then somebody found it and passed it around circles in New York being like, oh, it's so avant-garde. You're going to love this story that he's written. It's magical. It's a masterpiece. Don't even bother with War and Peace. This is his greatest work. Someone then, put Jellicle in the dictionary. <laughs> yeah. And then who wrote the music for it? Edward? Uh, Lloyd Webber? Andrew Lloyd Webber, yes. Mm-hmm. Andrew Lloyd Webber started drinking absinthe one night, decided to bump it with cocaine, and somebody handed him this book of poetry, and he was like, this is it! <laughs> this is the greatest story ever written. I must make it into a show. <laughs> and then he went and sold it to a playhouse on Broadway, being like, this is the greatest show I've ever seen. And it will be the greatest show you've ever seen. And New Yorkers flocked to it going, what the fuck did I just watch? They went to their friends and went, I don't understand it. I don't get it. You might want to check it out, but I don't fucking get it. Which led to all of these theater people going and being like, maybe I'm just not in. Maybe I just don't understand it. Mm -hmm. I have to go see it again. And before you know it, it's selling out every fucking weekend because people are seeing it over and over, hoping for understanding that's just never going to fucking come because what the fuck is a Jellicle cat? What the hell hell is a cubicle cat? What the hell is a helical cat? What is a gullible cat? What is a follicle cat? What is a... What is a real cat? A conjugal cat? What is a... There was... I could not figure out the word Jellicle the whole time. I could not. I was like, what is a, they're saying like something cat. They're saying something. And I, I mean, you nailed it. You, you 100% nailed it. That could be the story of cats. You know what I mean? And, um, (sighs) every 20 minutes I turned to my wife and said, what the fuck is going on? And she was like, I don't know, but shut up. Other people are in this theater. Dude. And you do that and you talk and you joke. But me, the fucking the film buff over here, the fucking jerk bag analyzes everything about it. I did the same thing with Sarah. <laughs> I, I turned to Sarah. I was like, <laughs> sometimes I'd be like, oh, this is a metaphor for because she's the old one and that's different, and maybe he's lonely because she's lonely. Fast forward twenty minutes. Nope, nope, I wasn't close. This makes no sense. 20 minutes later, maybe 20 minutes later. Nope, nope. <laughs> and it does It just doesn't. None of it makes sense. And then they take it and they make it a movie. And here we all are trying to still figure it out. And you're not wrong. That's probably what happened back in the day is they tried to figure out it then. And now we're trying to figure it out now. And it still still doesn't. It just doesn't. Who goes to the moon, by the way? I didn't finish it. I fell asleep and then we didn't turn it back on. Who goes to the moon? Was it Dame Judi Dench? Was it Jennifer no, Hudson? It was Jennifer Hudson. It was Jennifer Hudson. Okay. Because yeah. She, was... she sailed to the moon on a river of her snot. What? <laughs> I'm joking, but. Oh, okay. I would. That would have been funny. No, it was just. But, was just okay. So I believed much. you. I believed you. <laughs> it makes sense. That, that is. That sense. That's how you knew I was lying because nothing in this fucking movie makes sense. <laughs> That is the best analogy for cats that we can come up with. Is you said that, and I believed you. One hundred percent believed. 
<laughs> yeah, because that actually makes sense. Oh my but God. nothing about this movie makes sense, and that's how you knew I was lying. <laughs> it was batshit. <sighs> I don't get it. I can't wait to buy it on DVD. <laughs> I want to subject as many people to this movie as possible so that they can tell me what the fuck is going on. When inevitably um, marijuana becomes federally legal, um, when it becomes federally legal, uh, the wife might partake. And I say that we get edibles and we watch Cats again. Oh, my It's God. either going to get just... way better or way worse. And what have we got to there lose? Is... What have we got to lose? There is no way this movie could get better ever but your experience watching it can always improve no mom it can always improve always watching it with cats did nothing for us though because we have a lot of cats right nothing for us all right uh now the thing that really upset me is that the key song from that musical is not the best song in the musical it's Mm -hmm. i hated that song and she sings it like thrice Mm mm-hmm Jellicle like, cats or no that that stupid I... from the top of a building. Yes, that one. I will yeah. shove it in my butt. Yes, until it turns to a turd or whatever the fucking song. It's is. true. I it's don't. True. I, that song is the one song that lasts from Cats. It does. You'll hear it over and over because they sing it. Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred cats. That one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it, I'm just like, I personally enjoyed the Railcat song the most of all the songs that were sung in this fucking musical. Right. That being said, it's still not great. I don't. No, I it's yeah. like, and it's, it was not improved by, by all Jennifer means. It's not River. No, and by all means, nobody, nobody confused that comment that Rich just made with any kind of admiration for the film. He said he liked, he barely liked the sh- the the one song out of all the shitty songs. Rebel Wilson's always good though. I do like Rebel Wilson. The mice, the mice in that movie were so weird. There's other movies we have to talk about now. Yes, <clears throat> la- uh, Lady in the Lady in the Tramp on on Disney Plus. Not bad. I didn't think that was shabby. I don't recall enjoying the animated one, so I don't know that I would enjoy the live-action one. I think they did a good job of applying a kind of a current banter and a current attitude to the movie. This might make it watchable for you. Um, okay. In the way that um, – not in a way that, uh, oh, man, I need to go to the uh, bathroom for this hour and a half of Beverly Hills Chihuahua in a way that you kind of forget that it's a talking dog movie because of the way they um, adhere to the characters. It got, you know, The Lion King should have basically got put put on Disney+. Plus. You can expect that kind of thing out of it where you're like, you know it's, it's good, and it's not necessarily like an Oscar-winning Parasite movie. It's not necessarily invisible, just for the same reason, right? But right. Um, I, I don't think you'll watch it and want your hour and a half back. Okay. That's the best uh, recommendation I can uh, give for it. Frozen 2. Not bad. Not bad. It was much better than I was expecting. Same. Loved the uh, Kristoff song. We were... With the deer. Why don't we just... Why don't we just get married? Why don't we just divorce our wives and get married? Because I... 
it kills me every time we watch that song. We watch Frozen Two again at home, and and I usually am not dying to go back and finish it as a movie I've already watched, unless it's Moana, which I have a poster for the HQ coming of the the first theatrical teaser of Moana coming for the walls in here. But nice. the uh, uh, the Kristoff song, you're 100 percent correct. The '90s love ballad it had yeah. me it had me in in tears and then when we watched the movie again we fell asleep overnight and then we were like oh shit because we watched it the first night we moved into the new place here and uh the the next day i woke up and i was like we gotta go finish that i didn't get to see the Kristoff song we have to go back (laughs) nice (laughs) this is the magic of of how how best friends we are yes Mm -hmm. that is the only standout part of frozen 2 that i Mm -hmm. retained Fair enough. I I personally really liked uh, the way they developed uh, uh, Olaf, the snowman, when they made him. I'm older now, so I have to question things. That was a wonderful way to approach him as a character, and I thought it was really unique. Yeah. Yes. No, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the movie. Mm -hmm. I don't recall much of it. Fair enough. The bit that I do recall is the 90s love ballad of Kristoff with the reindeer uh, he awesome was, hilarious he was, he was looking for samantha and samantha didn't exist so yep. that was a that was a funny part uh you should watch videos of josh gad on his own just being on shows and stuff he likes he likes to make fun of of, of being of himself being a jew and he and, yeah. he and he talks about how he had to walk next to all of his friends riding horses because jews can't ride horses something like that it's funny it was a funny thing he's jewish he can make those jokes yeah. yep um ang- angry birds um, another animated movie. I'll just say this really quick: Trolls World Tour and Trolls. They were, they were, you know, like we weren't in love with the first Trolls in the first place. We watched it and we were done. We watched the second one because of the premise, um, where they get into all genres of music. We were like, okay, we can get into this. This isn't like a, you know, a straight to DVD kind of sequel. It looks like there's quality, and it had some quality. And then that was it. And we're not going to watch it again. Uh, something we might watch again though is Angry Birds Two, because the Angry Birds movies are somehow incredibly good. Like, Angry Birds is still, to date, one of the best video game movies you can watch. It's incredibly funny. And the second one might be funnier, honestly. And it's weird, but it it's it can get dark, it can get funny. And the craziest part is that there's three little chickies, three little hatchlings, that have their own subplot in the movie. In Angry Birds 2, and because they're the, the chickies that hatch from the eggs that are stolen in the first movie, and they get their own subplot for the whole movie that in no way touches the main story, and still manages to be the funniest, funniest shit that you'll be like, okay, this is what Daniel was talking about. This is why this movie was so good. Okay. Um, God, we have such a long list of like shit we need to touch on. Did you watch the platform on Netflix? The platform. I don't believe so. Okay, well, I'm gonna try and make this as quick as I can um, because I just don't want to drag on synopsising movies. I do try to tell tell you why they're good and sell you on movies, right? But no. the platform is a um. Spanish language indie film. Okay. You can get English dubs if you want. <clears throat> and the premise is that a guy wakes up in prison. 
there's a gigantic okay. hole in the middle of the floor. There's one guy on the. I saw the, side a of the trailer room. for this. I really want to see this. Yes, the platform. Was it the was it the food? Yes. Okay. And the food rises up on on a platform. It actually drops, and as it drops, um, people eat food off of it. Now the issue is is that on the top ten levels, everyone eats all of the steak and all the lobster tails. By the time it gets to levels uh, ten through twenty, everyone eats all the French fries and the potato right. chips and the pie. By the time it reaches level 50, there's scraps. It's just scraps. Right. By the time it reaches level 100, which is the lowest level they have in the place, you can only imagine. Right. After 30 days, everyone is knocked out by sleeping gas and put on a new floor. Okay. The platform. Yeah, I I saw the trailer for this, and I was like, oh, man, this looks awesome. It has a pretty wacky metaphorical ending that I had to think about for, like, 20 minutes before I kind of, like, before – actually, no, sorry, not 20 minutes. 24 hours. I woke up the next morning, and I was walking out of a store, and I was like – and then it just hit me. I was like, oh, 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 that makes sense now. Um, But even then, there's no way to know because the the, I Googled it, and the director will not confirm why the ending was so metaphorical. But watch it. And if anyone wants to know, you can always hit me up on the Twitter or the Facebook, and we can talk about that. Um, but it is it is a little dark, but it's another huge metaphor for the way the world works and what's right. frustrating about it. Um, uh, trying to go through my list here and see what things – because we – I mean we've almost like covered like every movie. Sonic the Hedgehog, you put that on there because I forgot. I did. That one wasn't bad. Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, it was far better. Mm-hmm. than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Now, when we when it first was suggested and we saw the posters and everything, we railed on this movie. Oh, God, we, like, we did. This is going to yes. be horrible. Uh-huh. There is no way we're seeing this movie. Yeah. And then they heard yes. and said, all right, give us six months. We'll fix it. <laughs> and they did. I am so glad they did. Mm-hmm. That movie was... For me, to date, the best video game movie made. Because I haven't seen Angry Birds or Angry Birds 2. You liked it more than Detective Pikachu? Uh, Detective Pikachu, I consider based on a video game, but not necessarily a video game movie. Okay, fair enough. Just be... um, It didn't follow the... Well... Okay, it's up there with Detective Pikachu. Let's put it that way. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because that's that's kind of where it is for me. Is that Angry Birds and Angry Birds Two are number one, and then tied for two would be Sonic the Hedgehog and Detective Pikachu. So yeah, because I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog, the games. Let's face it, they didn't really have that strong of a plot line. It was a platform game. Yeah, totally. Totally. It was. You're not. Wrong. It was essentially a running gun. You yes. just run, jump, get through the level. That's. Uh-huh. That was it. It was a good one. To it. There was really no story to follow. You didn't even have a princess to save. Mm-mm. So it's not like there was a strong story. You know, Illumination. Jim Carrey was amazing in it. Well, yeah. It was, we haven't had a good Jim Carrey movie in a long time either. Yeah. And he was, he was top form in this one. He was, he was on point. I loved his gloves. I loved the, the talking to the robots with the gloves. And he had the, yep. 
different buttons on his palms and everything. That was super cool. Yes. 100%. Uh, uh, James Marsden, mm-hmm. always, always great. Doesn't matter what he's doing. He's awesome. Except for X-Men. That wasn't his fault. That wasn't his fault. You're not wrong. God, Cyclops was so underused in X-Men. So underused. I don't want to talk about X-Men anymore. Marvel will do it yeah. right. Too bad it took Here's Deadpool. Hoping. Too bad it took Deadpool and Logan to do it fucking right. X2 wasn't right. bad, I guess. But, like, ugh, ugh, barf. Barf. Maybe we should talk about X-Men on its own podcast or something. I don't know. We so could. <laughs> we really so could. Uh, Doctor Sleep. Wow. That was a good one. That was a good one. That was a very, very good one. Uh, Ewan McGregor, like, in top form. But the fact that they gave us the sequel they did, uh, To the Shining, of all places, um, right. the, the elements, the things that they brought back, really good. Yeah. You, you got... I, I, actually, I actually, from that and It, I went and listened to the audiobook of It so that I could read it. Yeah. Same. Wow. I've been binging Stephen King books on my uh, on my phone. I've been binging audiobooks because Ellie owns the majority of them, and you can log into someone else's Audible and download books. Okay. You can. So that's a way to do it. But um, I, I listened to it. I listened to Dr. Sleep because I wanted to listen to it after, after I watched it and The Shining because I heard from a couple of people that the, the Shining is – the book is scarier than the movie. It actually oh, is. Yeah. yeah. Did you read Dr. Sleep? I read the book, The Shining. I haven't read Dr. Sleep okay. yet. There is a massive, massive twist in Dr. Sleep. Not in the movie. Okay. There's a lot of there's you can definitely gain something from reading the book. I can tell you that right now. Okay. Um, it's just little details. Um, but uh, the books, man, I've been going nuts on the on these audio books. Uh, the Dark Tower series too. I read uh, all the Dark Tower series. Now I'm on, and I want to recommend this. And maybe we can close out with this, unless you have anything else. Um. Two things. The first of which, uh, actually, no, just one thing. Origin. I desperately, desperately need you, and need people listening to this to go listen to Origin. And here's why: or read it. It is a Dan Brown, Dan Brown novel. It is from the author of Da Vinci Code, and he put out Angels and Demons. And for a while, those were the two best ones. He put out Inferno, and he put out The Lost Symbol, which were both okay but very formulaic like they they all really kind of followed like the same thing granted the da vinci code and angels and demons were both like pretty stellar in their own right the other ones not so much origin has a twist after twist after twist ending that blew my mind and it's really hard to say what it's about without spoiling it. That's like the hardest okay. part. Don't not listen to anyone who's burnt out on Dan Brown. Do not not listen to Origin because you're burnt out on, on Dan Brown. Go pass up the Lost Symbol. Pass up Inferno. Listen to Origin because uh, Origin is surprising in the best ways. And that's all that's, right. that's all I've got about it. That's all I've got. It's about the, it's about the smartest man. On the face of the planet, who creates a supercomputer um, to basically speed up the process of trying to figure out how life was created. All right. And where we go so, after life. Sounds 
interesting. It is incredibly interesting. And I enjoyed uh, Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons. You did? So, yeah, I enjoyed oh. both of those. I didn't follow up with them because I was like, That's with enough. the other ones, like Lost Symbol or anything. I, yeah. Mainly because they weren't given to me. Oh, okay. The Da Vinci Code and Hell, uh, Angels and Demons were both gifts. And I was like, eh, you know what? I'll read them. Check them out. And I was like, well, he's a he's an entertaining writer. Yeah. So it's worth the time. Now that I have a bookshelf, I'll probably purchase the illustrated editions because they they do have big illustrated editions with pictures of uh, the art that he references. You can see exactly okay. what he's referencing when he's talking about a puzzle they're solving or something that uh, the the symbologist can figure out, which is also pretty cool. Yeah. We just podcasted about TV and movies for three hours. Oh, my gosh. And I need to nap because i got to go into work tonight. Oh, you do? Yeah. Shit. Was it worth it? Was it worth staying up? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We Absolutely. totally knocked this out of the park. We talked about what we needed to talk about. Mainly Joker, right? Yeah. Mainly Joker. Yeah. But I digress. Yeah. We need to do a Star Wars one next. Uh, we will, because we got to talk about the Mando. We got to mm-hmm. talk about Clone Wars and Rebels. And we got to talk about <sighs> Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And how they probably should have just never made the sequel trilogy. I'm Daniel. I'm Rich. Thanks for joining us and staying around for a whole three hours. We're going to make a Star Wars catch-up, and we're going to make a video catch-up because Rich has been playing Borderlands. I have been gunzerking my way across Pandora. Yes, and that's his fourth build? That's your fourth character? Yeah, that's number four. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to hit the stop button now. Um, All right. But as long as everyone's titillated for the next episode. Is that the word? Titillated, or is it jellical?